Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. To say the last year has changed us would be an understatement. The pandemic forced many people to work and manage much more remotely and differently. Now, as a growing number of places return to more in-person work, it's a good time to explore the issues that organizations and managers face as they reset and reorganize their working lives. Throughout the next few months, HBR IdeaCast will look at these challenges, and today we're starting with implementing hybrid work across an organization. That's a mix of remote work and on-site activity. Our guest today has studied remote work for nearly 20 years, and he's here to explain how leaders can think through hybrid work arrangements so that they're fair to employees and effective for the organization, and not just short-term. Nicholas Bloom is a professor of economics at Stanford University and the author of the HBR article, Don't Let Employees Pick Their Work From Home Days. Nick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Kurt, lovely to be here. Thanks. What other downsides are there to letting workers choose when to work from home? Imagine uh, people were asked, if you get to work from home two days a week, which two days would you think they typically choose to work from home? Monday and Friday, so they have long weekends. Yes, exactly. So in the survey data, what we find is we asked, we've done this two waves, we've asked 10,000 people, so that's pretty good data at this point, which days you would choose. And you find that only 18% of people choose Wednesday and 64% choose Friday. So if you reverse that around, you can see the problem. So if you think about how many people are going to come in, 82% of your employees are going to come in on a Wednesday. And you're only going to have 36% coming on a Friday. What that means is if you have enough desks and office space to fully accommodate everyone on Wednesday, more than half of that's empty on a Friday and a Monday. So Wednesday's crammed. People are uncomfortable. There's packed elevators, kitchens, doorways. People are, you know, post-COVID, people are very nervous about, you know, uh, dense congestion. Monday, Friday in particular, it's like tumbleweed blowing down the office. You also wrote in your article about a diversity crisis. Explain that. Yes. So the third point was something that, to be honest, came up looking at the data and talking to managers. So there are two facts you need to know. Fact one is who chooses to come into the office uh, and how many days is not random. So, for example, in our surveys, we found that if you look at college graduates, so that's just over half the labor force folks with like one plus year of college, and you look at college grads with young kids, so kids under the age of 12, you see women are almost 50% more likely to want to work from home five days a week than men. It's also the case if you look at people who are disabled, uh, who live far from the office, who are lower income, so can't afford a car, 
these groups have a higher preference to work from home <sighs> more days than other groups. And there's nothing wrong with that at all. That's completely, you know, as you'd expect, and it makes a lot of sense. But it's just to say that the choice, if left open, is not going to be random. Fact two that where, you know, this causes the problem is if you have teams where some people are working from home and others are coming in the office, those working from home face a, a very large promotion penalty. So to give you a number on that, I did a big randomized control trial on working from home in China back in, you know, from 2010 to 2015. And what you found is people that work from home, their promotion rates were 50% of those that were coming in every day. So that is an enormous effect. And, you know, the, you can see why they're, they're not around, they're getting forgotten about, maybe they're not developing manager or skills, etc. So if you put that together, you can see if you allow choice, you could easily find a situation five, 10 years from now, whereby young single men will get promoted up the firm, you know, uh, married people with young kids, particularly women, disabled people, people living further away, don't come in and, you know, they fall behind. And there's both a diversity and a huge legal issue around that. All right. So I'm a manager and I've decided to have a bit more structure when it comes to who works from home and when. How do I approach that decision? How do I decide that in a in an equitable way and communicate it and have it be an effective policy? What do you recommend? I think there are really two choices that I would advise. One is the team-based and one is the company-based. It depends what matters to firms. So you can say, look, as a company, we would like some choice, but not complete choice. So we're going to allow each team to decide it. Within the team, you've all got to come in on those days and all stay at home on the same days. And you may want to say, look, we advise teams to have three days in the office and two working from home. If you set it up at a team level, you immediately address the mixed mode problem for most meetings because most meetings, you know, at least if companies are set up on a team or a project basis or within team, within project, it's not perfect, but you deal with most of it and you address most of the diversity concerns because promotions are normally considered against other folks in your team. That's often the benchmark. You obviously don't address the office use question. So at the team level, you know, you, you give more choice but you're going to have an inefficient use of office because most teams you're going to discover are going to choose at least one of, if not both, Monday, Friday to work from home. The other version is just to centralize it. And coming back to the discussion earlier is say, we're going to start off centralizing it and we're going to see how it plays out. Deciding upon hybrid now and announcing it's a very good idea. And that's what a huge number of companies have done. But announcing the full set of all the details and precisely how this is, will work is probably not best done now because it's hard to predict and it's going to change. And if you notice in the press, most companies have not announced the details precisely for this reason. There are also some people who have to come in more because of the nature of their work. When you have that variation, you are going to have differences and that can breed some issues of, of resentment or, and perceptions of unfairness. How do you deal with, with that? Yeah, so you know, multiple managers have said to me, uh, you know, roughly half or a third or two thirds of our employees can work from home. They're very happy with this hybrid plan. The other one third or half, whatever it is, can't. And they're feeling angry. They've said that, you know, they've had the whole pandemic having to come in every day. Some of them have faced infection risk, being infected, in fact, and now they're not going to get this nice perk post pandemic. Mm -hmm. First thing is, it is a genuine issue. It is a real issue. There's, you know, there's no getting around it. In, just to give you put numbers on it in our survey, people report that working from home two days a week 
is equivalent to something like a 6% pay increase. They, you know, they report it's a pretty valuable thing to have, and you can imagine why. You know, the types of solutions, you know, one basic solution is obviously, and you know, this has been discussed a fair bit, is having some kind of, you know, make good pay bonus yearly for those that can't work from home. Say, for example, you say, for anyone that is not able to work from home is coming in five days a week, we're going to give you a 5% uh, pay top up in reflection of the fact that, you know, you're not getting this benefit. That's mostly going to go to lower income uh, individuals. If you look in the data, that's slightly more likely to go to women. It's slightly more likely to go to minorities because they're the, the kinds of roles we see in the data they hold. It tends to be slightly harder to have these working from home. So that's definitely one policy that is on the table. Across the country, many white-collar workers still haven't returned to their offices and don't plan to until fall at the earliest. That means fewer customers for businesses that depend on those workers to buy their goods and services. Corrine Hess of Wisconsin Public Radio has more. A metal box on wheels that smells of smoke and advertises cold drinks and hot dogs has been one of the most popular lunch destinations in the heart of downtown Milwaukee for decades. It's called Real Dogs, and it has claimed the coveted spot just outside of the Chase office tower for 23 years. Before the pandemic, the line to get a hot dog, sausage, or chorizo could sometimes stretch around the block. These days, with many white-collar workers still staying away from the office, owner Jeremy McCown says business is way down. It's hurt us big time. Um, The fact that we're hearing that they're coming back is like a godsend. A recent survey of downtown Milwaukee office workers found that about half plan to return to work by September and about 70% plan to be back in the office by the end of the year. And that's been the case throughout much of the country. Gary Burtless is an economist who researches income distribution at the Brookings Institution in Washington, D.C. He says all across the country, cities that have large business districts also have ancillary businesses like dry cleaners, flower shops, and barber shops that are suffering. Even though business activity is inching up in those central business district neighborhoods, it isn't nearly as close to normal as those neighborhoods where the local businesses rely on local residents. In many cities, there's an entire ecosystem built up to support people who work in offices. And many of those businesses suffered a huge financial hit after offices closed for the pandemic. But most businesses are still paying the same high rents to be located in downtown neighborhoods. Many of Catherine Fuchs' clients used to stop in for a haircut at Milwaukee Street Barbershop on their way to work or over the lunch hour. It's shifting. I'm seeing some of the old faces again. I'm seeing some new faces who are just simply back at work and trying us out now because some are, you know, their old places since closed. Unfortunately, there were definitely barbershops that have not made it back open again. Jill Ruffing thought locating a sandwich shop on the first floor of a downtown Milwaukee office building was better than being in the suburbs. While her competitors in the suburbs are thriving, her customers are still not back at work. Sometimes I get frustrated because I'm like, come on, people, come back. (laughs) Economist Gary Burtless was recently in New York City, where he saw firsthand that neighborhoods like Jackson Heights and Queens are back to normal. But in midtown Manhattan, it's a different situation. There is much less foot traffic. And it's, it's bad for a lot of the local businesses which are there to serve the office workers. Back in downtown Milwaukee, the steam press machines that ran constantly at Avenue Fabricare Dry Cleaners are now mostly idle. 
Manager Wasim Dolshad says the attorneys and guests from nearby hotels no longer need his services as frequently. Now we dry clean twice a week instead of uh, every day like we used to do. Back at Real Dogs, about a dozen people are in line for a hot dog. Jeremy McCown isn't sure if business will ever be back to normal. But for him and the thousands of business owners who make their livelihoods from white-collar workers, the long-term economic effects of the pandemic are still being felt. For NPR News, I'm Corrine Hess. About two dozen Republican-led states are ending federal unemployment benefits. Governors in those states claim it keeps employers from filling open jobs. Now, Indiana is being told by a judge it can't legally do that, as Indiana Public Broadcasting's Justin Hicks reports. That court order is inspiring others across the country to consider filing their own lawsuits. Mary McCloskey is the creator of a Facebook group for unemployed workers in Indiana. And to say she was in a good mood last Friday is an understatement. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I feel justified, finally, after a whole year. (laughs) A whole year of fighting with this, and it's finally, I feel great. feel great. She had just found out that a judge told Indiana officials they cannot back out of pandemic-era programs for jobless workers. McCloskey says that's a major win for workers who struggle to get through a clogged unemployment system, only to have benefits yanked away before Congress's September 4th cutoff. They finally are feeling some kind of justice, some kind of vindication that what they've been seeing and what they've been feeling is actually, you know, somebody's being held accountable. Indiana's court order is only temporary. Policymakers here haven't announced any plans to actually follow through with restarting benefit programs. But it comes as some, like economist Michael Strain with the American Enterprise Institute, argue that these enhanced benefits are getting in the way of states' economies recovering quickly. Many states have an unemployment rate below 6%. Some have an unemployment rate below 5%. You know, in a situation like that, you're just holding, you're holding your state back and you're you know, making it harder for unemployed workers to, to get jobs by having unemployment benefits that are uh, as generous as they are with the $300 supplement. So from a policy perspective, I think the injunction puts Indiana back. But the Indiana court's recent decision is motivating unemployed workers across the country to start combing through their own state laws. People are considering, you know, filing their own lawsuits, which is not generally a a super successful approach. Um, But folks are really inspired by this example in Indiana and hoping to find similar legal grounds in their states. That's Rachel Deutsch, who's with the Center for Popular Democracy. She says people are looking to sue as a last resort since federal officials are apparently letting states opt out of extended benefits. People who receive that money need it and spend it you know, locally. Um, And so there was just a major sort of disbelief, right? How can the federal government allow this to happen? In Maryland, a group calling itself the Unemployed Workers Union felt that disbelief too. But organizer Sharon Black said Indiana gave them hope. A lot of people here in this state were definitely buoyed by the suit that was taking place in Indiana. So it kind of spurred us on in many respects. Black says they've fought Governor Larry Hogan's decision to opt out of federal benefits, but he hasn't been swayed to their argument. While Black hopes for an injunction like that in Indiana, she has a healthy skepticism that it'll work. A former civil rights and labor activist, she's learned to take a victory where you can. Sometimes people just need hope. Can't eat hope, but at least they can keep you going till you get that meal. If the Indiana ruling provides hope, they may want to hang on tightly. Officials here are asking for an emergency appeal of the court order, 
as they again try to make the case that restarting extended unemployment benefits would hurt Indiana's economic recovery. For NPR News, I'm Justin Hicks. I did want to report that I have utilized suggestions made by Cal's listeners in regard to how to approach a person um, asking about my vaccination status, and I've codified it into a very short sentence, which is, I've decided not to discuss my vaccination status, nor anyone else's. And I leave it at that. And of course, I don't say it robotically. I try to be you know, uh, courteous uh, with how I say it, but very firm. And it has worked exceptionally well, better than I would have thought. So that piece of codification I've utilized, and I appreciate the cows listeners for making those suggestions to me. Here's the deal. Get vaccinated or get another job. San Francisco has now told more than 30,000 employees that COVID vaccines will soon be mandatory if you want to work for the city. Many of those workers are pushing back. Some even saying the policy could amount to discrimination. Can the city really do this? Here's NBC Bay Area's Christy Smith. San Francisco is one of the largest employers in the city. That's Mayor London Breed, who once again noted the city's high vaccination rate after an event today. But she also stressed that the risk isn't over, and that's why San Francisco will now require nearly all of its 35,000 employees to get vaccinated. About this variance and what this is going to mean for not only hospitalizations, but for people who contract COVID, um, it's not gone. But folks who have the vaccine are going to be more protected than people who don't. And I had to think about our workforce. I had to think about the public. The city says unless an employee has a valid exemption, they will be required to get vaccinated within 10 weeks of the FDA giving the shot full approval. That's expected to happen later this year. She understands there will be exceptions. When we explore this mandate, we wanted to also respect the fact that there are people who may have medical or religious reasons why they can't do the vaccine, which will be accommodated. There will be accommodations for, uh, for people. Our emphasis is on education, on working with our employees, on listening to them, and on doing everything we can to help them overcome any hurdles. Those who don't get the shot? could get a pink slip. Now some employees and employee unions are objecting. We are in favor and in support of anybody and everybody getting vaccinated, but we are not in support of mandated, mandatory uh, vaccines. We don't want to force anybody to take the vaccine. Roger Marenko is president of the Transport Workers Union Local 250A, which represents transit operators and others. I've been getting a lot of phone calls and text messages from a lot of our members saying, you know what, I have personal reasons that I can't or don't want to take the vaccine. In a statement, another city union, SEIU 1021, said while they support and encourage members to take the vaccine, they do not support a, quote, threatening mandate. Most legal scholars say the mandate is likely legal, but they expect court challenges anyway. In San Francisco, Christy Smith, NBC Bay Area News. 2021 has seen black women reach new heights in the halls of U.S. government, from Kamala Harris as vice president to a record-setting number of black women in Congress and in mayor's offices. While many celebrate the increase in representation, many of these elected leaders also, it turns out, face harassment and threats. Amna Nawaz has their story as part of our Race Matters series. 
That's right, Judy. Many of these politicians have told the NewsHour their stories of fear and concern while trying to do their jobs. Candace Norwood is the digital politics reporter who led the reporting effort for NewsHour, and she joins me now. Candace, welcome to you. Thanks for being here. Hi, Amna. Thanks. So we want to unpack a little bit more about some of this remarkable reporting you've spent months pulling together. But first, let's just take a quick listen to some of the women you spoke to. I remember at the beginning of the 116th Congress when we were just spotlighting and highlighting the beautiful diversity of this incoming Congress. But then on every caucus call, we had members who were getting death threats on a daily basis. Early on, when we were getting the list of like credible threats coming in for members of Congress, they were centered around members of color. And there are only 25 Black women that serve in the United States Congress. So it's not like I can blend in with my colleagues because there's not that many of us. I am always thinking, wow, okay, if somebody came in to the Capitol building right now and they wanted to shoot all the Black people here, what will I, what's my plan? How do I escape? How do I get out of here? One of the turning points for, for me and my campaign was uh, during the George Floyd protests when someone, we still don't know who, drove by one of the Democratic Party offices in my district where my sign was in the window, there were Black Lives Matter signs in the window, and someone shot bullet holes. So, Candace, it is incredibly disturbing to hear those fears and concerns from those four women. You spoke to a number of women, though, right? How common were those experiences? I and my reporting partners, Chloe Jones and Liz Balaji, spoke with 18 women in politics, Black women in politics at all levels of government, and 17 of them recounted similar experiences with verbal abuse and physical threats. Kia Morris is a former Vermont legislator who suffered years of harassment and finally resigned in 2018. At the time, she and her husband lived in his childhood home and decided to move for safety concerns to a different city. But even in that new city, in that new home, their now 10-year-old son built a panic room type space, remembering kind of the experiences they had uh, back in their previous city. And it's not just physical threats, it's also verbal abuse. And these women recounted experiencing a daily barrage of these verbal attacks. Baltimore State's attorney Marilyn Mosby recounted uh, an experience listening to a voicemail that was sent to her that was laced with expletives and racial slurs. And we actually have a clip that we're going to play now. And a warning to our viewers, it does contain strong language. If we'd known you all were going to be this much trouble, we would have picked our own cotton. And I should also note that though we spoke with 18 women, we did receive some hesitation and some reluctance to speak with us. And we heard uh, not only from academic experts we spoke with, but also the women themselves, that when they do speak out on these issues, they often see a rise in the abusive treatment, the attacks. You also asked many of these women just what it's like to carry that fear and concern through their days as they're doing this job. Let's take a listen to what some of them had to say. You have a heavier responsibility. Your community's looking at you to represent them well. The rest of the world thinks when you open your mouth, you represent all black people. And so it, do it does become one of these situations where you really are carrying the weight of the world. 
I use the line, when Congress starts to look like us. If Congress starts to look like us, no one can stop us. And there was an onslaught of just backlash. What so many people were hearing was, when Congress is all black women, if that's all you see when you look at me, then you forget the fact that I'm a mother and a teacher and you know a community member and a Christian. All these different things that I am um, are lost. I intentionally came here knowing I was gonna be the only black woman and that I have natural hair. And so I speak with a very even tone, just monotone every time I'm speaking in committee or on the floor, because I don't get the right to do like what the white men do and slam books down and, you know, yell and, and be, you know, use my outside voice all the time. I don't have that privilege. This is an incredibly crushing weight to carry on a daily basis. It is mentally exhausting to live in constant fear feeling like you're in a state of constant fight or flight and not knowing who to trust. It's so revealing, Candace, to hear them talking about the pressure that they face every day in the job. But you asked them about what it took to get to that job in the first place. What did they share with you? Yeah, so we know that in speaking with women broadly, but also women from underrepresented backgrounds, including black women, that just to get them to run for office, they often have to be asked. And so the women we spoke with described going through a series of mental steps to even enter that race that includes things like childcare, things like what a uh, political campaign, what that strain would put on their families, and also the safety measures. Black women uh, tend to think about the legacy that they're leaving and the, the doors that they're opening for other people. So they feel that pressure. And we also know that women broadly and also black women are less likely to run for office again than white men if they don't succeed. And what did they tell you about how all of this impacts the work that they do, the issues that they prioritize once they're in office. Black women feel deeply connected to their communities that they are being elected to represent. And research indicates that black legislators broadly really champion issues that center the needs of different black communities. And so they're promoting things based on their diverse backgrounds. They're often coming from backgrounds that are uh, underrepresented in different institutions of power. So someone who's connected to immigration, uh, someone who comes from a life of poverty or single parent household, that informs the work that they do and uh, the bills that they are sponsoring. Amid all this pressure and amid all this barrier breaking in many cases, even the fear of death threats in many cases, you ask them about what it is that keeps them going. Let's take a listen to what some of them had to say. I chose this road. No one forced me. No one tied me up and said, do it if you if you don't. You know, I chose this path. When things are happening, especially around um, issues of civil rights and voting rights, I have an obligation to speak up and stand up for my community. There's no way I can erase being black or, or female. Uh, and um, and I wouldn't if I could. Uh, so I just have to um, keep moving forward. Candace, when you spoke to all these women, heard all of their stories, what is it that stood out to you about all their experiences? The weight of being one of a few to be in these positions of power and what that means. And this idea of if I'm not the one to champion these issues, who will be? But also the idea some women want to stay in power to push back against a common response that they hear that uh, you're a public official, you've chosen this life, this life meaning a life of threat 
threats and things like that. And they are saying no, right? And it's staying in power is a way to refute that. Uh, but then we also spoke to women who have hard lines. Congresswoman Lauren Underwood from Illinois uh, was very candid about her feelings on being in public office and saying that she is not willing to die to do this work. There are other ways to serve her community. And if the threats grow, if they become worse, she's willing to walk away. It is a remarkable piece of reporting. It lives online at the NewsHour's website, and I know you led your team for months to pull it together. Candace Norwood, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Nicole Hannah-Jones of The New York Times has been granted tenure at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. The Board of Trustees had declined to vote on her candidacy earlier this spring, which led to a national debate about race, academic freedom, and the journalism of Hannah-Jones. Decision on her tenure had become wrapped up in the controversy over the New York Times' 1619 project. It was a look at the legacy of American slavery. NPR's David Folkenflik has been covering the story and joins us now. Hi, David. Hey, Elsa. So just remind us, what led to this vote, this moment today? Well, as you suggested, there was essentially a pocket veto exercise by the Board of Trustees for UNC Chapel Hill, uh, and they didn't consider a her proposal for her to get tenure, which, you know, once you've got the department involved, the journalism school involved, the dean and the provost of the university, it's an extraordinary step for trustees not even to vote on it, much less turn it down. In this case, you saw protests build and, and uh, an outcry on campus, particularly but not limited to black faculty members and students, a lot of other folks as well uh, involved here, questions of academic freedom questions of whether this was really punishment for uh, Hannah Jones's work on the 1619 Project, which placed slavery and its legacy in American society so much at the center of our nation's history and our nation's present. Well, she has gotten tenure now. What has Hannah Jones personally said so far about this decision to grant her tenure? Well, she just came out with a statement uh, some minutes ago released by the NAACP Legal and Educational Defense Fund, which has been supporting her in this and which threatened a lawsuit on her behalf. Had she not received tenure, she expressed great thanks to those who had worked on her behalf. But she said that this is a fight not just about her. It's a fight for the right for students and faculty to be able to explore issues, particularly of race, uh, openly and f- with the liberty to to reach you know uncomfortable conclusions. And that she, this is very interesting and ambiguous language, needed to figure out what the best path forward was. And that Mm. is she didn't 100% commit to showing up this fall in campus, which she said she wouldn't do had she not received tenure. Obviously, this has been a tough and bruising process, even as she seems to delight in the outcome that we heard today. Very interesting. This has been an incredibly dramatic tenure process. Why do you think it has captured so much national attention? I think we have to put this in the context of the social equity movement that we saw play out in the streets of America over the past, call it 14 months in particular, Uh, the calls for for justice, the calls for our understanding of how systems work that takes place uh, in the streets, that took place in corporate boardrooms. It took place in newsrooms. Uh, And so you saw sort of a stretching of the boundaries of what – Standard journalism allows an expression on social media, but in terms of how we define stories, who we view as authoritative sources and the like, that issue played out at the journalism school's appointment in part because its named donor, that is the guy after whom this journalism school is named, Walter Hussman, has a much more uh, traditional, uh, Hannah Jones would say, white view of how journalism should work with, with sort of an idea that you don't lead people to conclusions. You just sort of set out the facts, let them create their own decisions. She has placed race so much at the center of the American story and the legacy of slavery uh, that it has been uncomfortable for a lot of folks and as a result has really caused friction with some of her critics. 
Well, last week I spoke to the chair of the Carolina Black Caucus at UNC Chapel Hill, who told us that this whole saga with Hannah Jones has been very embarrassing and demoralizing for black students and faculty at UNC. So what do you think, David, what do you think this tenure decision now means for the university as an institution? I think for the short term, there's relief that uh, academic freedom of, of its faculty seem to be respected for African-Americans, particular that such a incredibly l- lauded figure on a national level uh, will be joining their ranks. And at the same time, I think UNC will remain something as a political football for cultural conservatives and for people in North Carolina itself. That is NPR's David Folkenflake. Thank you, David. You bet. You, you guys both touched on it, touched on it beautifully. No, no need for me to reiterate. Also, don't forget women. I think it's time for a, a woman or women to get the opportunity to be a head coach. So <clears throat> I just want to throw that out there also. No doubt. The NBA is seen as the most progressive of the big professional sports leagues, often taking the lead on activism around social issues. But some coaching hires this week have people wondering whether the NBA is taking a step back. Here's NPR's Tom Goldman in Portland, Oregon. As new Portland Trailblazers head coach Chauncey Billups sat down yesterday for an introductory press conference, it was a difficult moment. Billups is a highly respected former player and seemed to be a good fit for a team that prides itself on hiring high-character people. But a story recently emerged about Billups when he was an NBA rookie in 1997. He was accused of rape. He said it was consensual sex, was never charged with a crime, and he reached a settlement with his accuser. So... It was difficult as team general manager Neil Olshay went right to the issue. We took the allegations very seriously and we treated them with the gravity that they deserved. Olshay said the team commissioned an independent investigation that found Billups' claim was right. Nothing non-consensual happened. Billups said not a day goes by that he doesn't think about how every decision can have a profound impact on a person's life. And that's led to some really, really healthy but tough conversations that I've had to have with my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time in 1997, and my daughters uh, about what actually happened. But then the seeming transparency turned opaque. When Olshay was asked for details about the independent investigation, he said no, it was proprietary. You're just going to have to take our word that we hired an experienced firm that ran an investigation that gave us the results we've already discussed. After that, a reporter asked Billups to talk more about how the 1997 incident affected him, but a team PR person stepped in before Billups could speak, saying questions about the incident already had been asked and answered. It was frustrating to watch that. Dia Miller writes for the team's fan site, Blazer's Edge. To know that people wanted answers, People wanted transparency, and that's not what we were given. Miller counts herself as one of the fans struggling with the hiring decision. There are similar struggles in Dallas, Texas, where the NBA's Mavericks recently hired Hall of Fame player Jason Kidd as the new head coach. In 2001, Kidd pleaded guilty to spousal abuse. He takes over a Dallas team that in 2018 went through a scandal that revealed a long-running pattern of workplace and sexual harassment of female employees. At the time, owner Mark Cuban tearfully vowed to be better. Kidd has his introductory press conference with team officials on July 15th. Tom Goldman, NPR News. Cup runneth over with Black Miss Andrea. I don't know about you all, but after hearing that about Jason Kidd and Chauncey Billups and no good Bill 
Cosby is free in the world again, I am about to round up 10 or 25 black males and castrate them myself just for good measure. Black misandry, context of white supremacy. Gusty Renegade in for another broadcast, hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy. Today's date, Friday, July 2, 2021. So I have been told Bill Cosby. Sure that popped up in a workplace or two this year week. Anywho, this is our weekly broadcast, Neutralizing Workplace Racism, not for spectators. Please, please, uh, for folks out there, do not. This is uh, one of the tricks. uh, I thought we got over this, but this is one of the long-running pranks that is beloved by Cow's listeners. We will frequently have our three-hour program. People will wait. Sometimes they'll be right there on the switchboard the whole time. They will wait two hours and 55 minutes sometimes before they decide alright I'm ready I had to warm up to get my tea do some stretches but I'm ready to speak if you have commentary particularly if we are fortunate in our listening audience to have any listeners you're a non-white person you figured out bang do this Say this. Don't say that. You're trying to get tenure. You're trying to get a promotion. Trying to get a raise. Whatever it is. Trying to negotiate. See if you can get three days home instead of two. Whatever it is. If you figured out this is what to say. This is what to do. This is what not to say. This is what not to do to solve problems without creating new problems in the workplace. Do not wait until we have five minutes left in the program. In fact, you should go ahead and call now. 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Number again, 720-716-7300. The code 564 Nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Certainly, any folks, if you're having problems or what have you, and would like some codified counter racist thoughts to try to help you solve your situation as best you can, feel free to dial in as well. Um, some of the audio segments that we heard, the email untiljustice at gmail dot com. Until justice at gmail.com. The audio segments that we heard, Cup runneth over there as well. Uh, I had the audio segments together like yesterday. And then I was checking out the news and saw other things. The Hannah Nicole Jones report came up and it's like, why wow, some of this is related. So let me see. I go through here. Uh, so we started off. We had the segment from HBR cast. Uh, they were giving the report. Uh, on the change in the workplace situation where it's with what they're calling now the hybrid work situation, meaning that uh, some days you work from home, some days you come in, maybe you work from home one day a week, maybe you work from home two days a week, whatever it is. And talking about how that's shifting dynamics in the workplace. One component of that report that I did not play talk about gossiping. They said that for some places they are doing they are continuing with Zoom calls 
even though people have returned to the office or at least some people have returned to the office. So they're doing Zoom calls where it might be you're doing a Zoom call with someone who is in a cubicle next door to you. Right. And then other people who might be at home or wherever else they are. But they were saying is this type of environment, if something happens, somebody gets on there and makes a racist comment or anything, you know, it could be all work related. But if anything spicy happens there and some of these people are doing this Zoom call and they're seated next to each other or in the building and you're doing this Zoom call and you're at home. Once that call ends, they're going to say, "Ooh, let's go take a smoke break. Let's go get a Starbucks. And you are going to be all kind. Did you hear what that coon said? And coon this and coon that and all the rest of that was one component that I didn't even play the gossip component and how that's changed with this hybrid since everybody's not there anymore. Unjust networking called that too. What we did here, they said one could be a penalty. People are able to negotiate, which it seems they have and hiring market. People don't have enough employees and fine. You know, if we got it, that's what it takes to get you in here. You can stay at home for two days a week. You come in for three for some people said the penalty aspect of that is for some people. Fine. You're at home two days a week or whatever it is. We don't see you. You're not a part of the click calling Florida. You're not a part of our click anymore. So you've lost your social cachet. You're not here for happy hour and all of our little jokes. You don't know the quirky things that happened leading up to July 4th and all that. So since you've missed out on all that, you don't feel as much of a part of our team, the family. So might have missed out on some promotional, promotional opportunities, raises, things like that. Now, I said that that's interesting because they said it was disproportionately. They gave the whole tacky list, women, moms, minorities, people of color, uh, all of these people, black people, the niggers would be in that group disproportionately. We're not able to work from home. We heard that a lot from listeners. Got to be the disposable employees, essential, they call it. So you got to come in. They come in. They don't get that. They say it would amount to like a six increase increase in pay. They don't get that for a lot of non-white people. They had to get up and crawl into work anyway, risk getting the Rona and all the rest. Now that we're back, why isn't it? Hey, you showed your dedication. You slogged in here for a year and a half, caught the Rona twice, didn't care still dedicated to the job promotion comes up bang you're first in line how can it be that the black people didn't get to sit at home for the last year and a half and then we come back with some other excuses like oh yeah well maybe you did get to sit at home so now you can't get a raise or whatever it is like you cannot win whichever side it is you're not gonna win tacky all the way if folks if we i know we do have some not tons and tons, but we do have some listeners who were hybrid or at least were part of this. They were working at home and have transitioned back. So if you all are dealing with all of that, let us know uh, next. So then we have the segment. They were in Milwaukee, but this is applicable in many places around the world. Even they were talking about many of the. I guess uh, auxiliary businesses uh, that, you know, food carts, food trucks and things of that nature where people would go and get their hair done or nails done or dry cleaning that sort of thing uh, and you got so many people that are not coming into the office or they're not going in as frequently so they don't need as much dry cleaning they don't need all these you know luncheon places and all that we don't need catering and coffee and bagels for all the staff because everybody's at home Jeff Tubin, Jeffrey Tubin, and all the rest of it lots of that here in Seattle that's another one where I could see a lot of non-white people being impacted uh, lots of non-white people here uh, where they own the the spots where uh, people would go for 
breakfast, lunch, snacks throughout the work day. Get something quick uh, and easy while you are at work. Lots of non-white people. Even the University of Washington, where, again, they have a student body that's like 50,000. They have uh, food trucks and things that are right on campus and what have you and other vendors and merchants and all the rest of it all of that stuff has been shut down for a year and a half more than that students aren't even going to be back until the fall so i mean huge destructive impact and that's another one where like hey you can be a non-white person be in business for yourself we're still in the system of white supremacy racism so you will be subject to all of their control direct or not even we talked about that. Some of the folks at the very beginning of this own businesses and they said, well, you own your business, but now you got to shut out because the Rona's here. Said, what? I do hair. Wait a minute. No, you don't. <laughs> you don't do hair until we authorize, tell you that you can do hair again. You hear us say Rona? Let's see. Next, uh, they had the judge that ruled that uh, they cannot do the bait and switch, tell you that we're going to do a job program and then say, oh, wait a minute. You all are lazy and shiftless. We're going to cut the job program because you all don't want to work. Can't do that. You're going to say you're going to do the job program. You got to do the job program. This another one. They said the uh, the firefighters, they were uh, distrustful, suspicious that they were going to get the benefits. And then lo and behold, they did cut the benefits a few days later. System of racism, white supremacy, this sort of thing is very common. You come and you say there's going to be an eviction moratorium and then you evict us anyway. You say there's going to be a job program and then you cancel it and call us lazy. Lots of different ways where they justify not giving non-white people help, and especially help at the time that they need it. Uh, next. Now, they did. Now, the black misandry throughout these clips, that was another reason why I said, wow, just looking at this all together. The black misandry was in so many different layers this week. So we get this whole big lengthy segment from PBS where they talk about uh, black females who are elected officials uh, who have experienced all of this racism white supremacy uh, victims of white terrorism no issue at all with them pointing out uh, victims and how they have been mistreated uh, I think they even uh, the one report about a family black family and uh, they're shooting into the window of the residence and her children are there and all of that all of that tacky trashy terroristic no problem with them pointing out this information however and I've pointed this out consistently and explicitly in the context of workplace racism that are you telling me that these elected black females are the only black elected officials officials who've experienced any racism white supremacy over the last six months seven months is that what you're telling me? You're telling me that it would have been too much just to put all that together and say, let's look at how black elected officials have been impacted over the last year. No, 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 no. Just the black females. Is that one? It's been has, has uh, Congressman Clyburn. Has he gotten so much attention? He got that much attention over the last year. We can't include black elected officials. No. Mayor Lucas, everybody remembers Mayor Lucas in Missouri, right? Everybody knows his name. Hashtags, shirts, you've seen him. You got pictures of him hanging on your wall, right? Mayor Lucas. Everybody heard how he got called a nigger and they threatened to lynch him way back ancient history when he was saying you got to wear your mask. Everybody heard about it, right? That was front page news. 
name is memorized. They wrote books about him and everything and had him on every television program, right? So we don't need to talk about that anymore. That couldn't have been included in the segment. No. Even, in fact, I said Congressman James Clyburn, Mr. Clyburn, Congressman Clyburn, South Carolina, he was a victim of the January 6th insurrection. They damaged his office. In fact, he talked about that and said, man, this seems like an inside job, man, like my office is enlisted. How did they even know where it was? That couldn't have been included in the segment. Too much attention on these privileged black males. We're just talking about black females. Again, they're victims of white supremacy, white terrorism, in my view absolutely is correct to talk about all this but why ignore black males the black misandry component strong in the system of white supremacy so then we get to the next segment or I guess I will get that in let me see Desiree Timms that was it where she said after the George Floyd protest when she said someone shot bullet holes at the black lives matter sign in her window incidentally I've said this more than three times at this point I do not think it is a logical safe decision to have any sort of black lives matter racism white supremacy paraphernalia uh, on display on your residence property vehicle None of the above. If you have a shirt that you want to wear, what have you, for one day and then you take it off, that's fine. But I mean, like in your window, there are lots of times where you're not on your property. There are not lots of times even when you are on the property, but you're not paying attention. You're asleep or in the bathroom or what have you. You have no idea what race soldier drives by and sees them. <laughs> Pull out my AK-40. I mean, and it's I've heard tons of reports like this, too, where this sort of thing has happened. It seems specifically to lots of black people. I know lots of white people here in Seattle got tons. Some of them have three or four Black Lives Matter signs in their yard. No bullet holes, but lots of reports of black people with these type of signs. And it's bullet holes, acid, trash. The sign is stolen. All of the above. Gusty does not recommend having these signs on your property, residence, vehicle, none of the above. Not even RWSWJ sign. Nope. They might figure out what that means. Keep it as a t-shirt or what have you. Let's see. The black miss. Okay. So the black miss Andrew continued. So uh, let's see. Oh, and I even left out one Antonio Delgado. He's a congressman in New York. He's a Rhodes scholar congressman in New York who they talked about him and said that he's just a no count uh, gang banging gangster rapper they couldn't have included that too eh, okay uh, so then black Miss Andrew they went to Nicole Hannah Jones now I've said consistently they were talking about why did this case get so much attention I said the same thing I said repeatedly now if this had been Dr. Tommy J. Curry and he was struggling to get tenure if this had been Dr. T. Hassan Johnson, he was struggling to get tenure. Would it have been all this hoopla? Would we have talked about this and protested and moped and whined for weeks? This is an outrage. This is racism. This is a disgrace. The state of North Carolina, you should be ashamed of yourself. And would they have done all of that if it had been a black male? And I said also, Hannah Nicole Jones cow bell she has a white parent white people are not ignorant about that if this had been a black male with two black parents four black grandparents eight black great grandparents 
with white people at PBS and NPR and New York Times and all these other outlets, even a lot of non-white people, victims of racism, would it have been this much hysteria? We got to get this Negro male tenure. I don't think so. I could be wrong. Anyway, whoopee for Hannah Nicole Jones. Glad she got her tenure. I thought she was going to be okay. Either way, whatever. This is not solving our problem with racism, white supremacy, nor, in my opinion, is it going to have any impact at all for any other black educators hoping to get tenure themselves. I could be wrong. Last one. The black misandry. Now, the only reason I played that last one, because I mean, really, by that point, I already had the, the everything that I already talked about. <laughs> I already had all that stuff. And I said, wait a minute. Didn't you see the article? Because I didn't even hear it. I read that people were upset. They had been talking about maybe hiring Becky Hammond, who is a female, I believe a white woman, hiring her as the first female coach in the NBA. She had been an assistant with the San Antonio Spurs. There was rumors that their coach was going to step down. First female coach in the NBA. Oh, my goodness. We made it through the Rona. And look what the Lord has blessed us with. Wow. And then it didn't happen. And on top of that, not only it doesn't happen, you hire two raping black males. I said, oh, no, we're going to play that one. Now, the first one you heard, Chauncey Billups, never charged with a crime. Now, I guess this could be another O.J. Simpson. I don't know if he hired Johnny Cochran back in 1997. I didn't read or hear anything about that. But I did hear no charges filed. We're in a system of racism, white supremacy. They generally very easily charge black people especially no count raping lazy black males so maybe Chauncey Billups did this maybe he got away he was not a big time NBA star way back in 1997 he had not won a championship or anything else but hey maybe they were clairvoyant and could see all that was to come and so maybe they blackmail privilege and didn't charge him even though he did this that could be they didn't say that. They said, hey, it was investigated. We didn't find a crime. And then we went back and rechecked again. And we still didn't find a crime. Now, Portland, they could have been caping for a raping black male. Although I don't think the NBA has a history of that. Maybe they started post Rona. Maybe this is how they're making it up to George Floyd. We're going to go out and find raping black males and hire them for coaching jobs. I don't think so. So we got to go back 25 years. They just talked about, man, we got all this racism and coaching. They keep recycling all these black coaches. I mean, excuse me, white coaches. You have all these qualified black males and they can't get a job. What's up with it? It's rife. It's not just the NBA. It's college basketball and pro football. And it goes all the way down. Get a black male to be hired. And it's not whoopee working against racism right on for Portland. All those white women out protesting last summer really didn't. Didn't you rape someone in 1997? What was the process? How many questions were asked? Did you do a DNA sample? Did you check his penis? And they stop if I'm Portland too. Like, hey, we did not come to have a press conference to talk about raping black males. We did our diligence. He didn't do anything. He was never charged. We hired him. We're moving. Oh, my God. Me too. Black privileged black males. And then. They do the same thing with Jason Kidd. Now, you got to give an extra pause. 
we are not going to sit around and act like this is news. We never heard this before. Wrong. Yes, we have. They've talked about this lots. All of this is online. Everything that he was accused of doing. Are we going to bring this up every time Jason Kidd gets a coaching opportunity or is talked about for any reason? Because they just did this two years ago when it was rumored he might be hired for the L.A. Lakers job. That's a pretty glamorous one, too. Actually, I actually have to take that back. I don't remember this. Let me take that back. Retraction. I don't remember all this. Whoa. What do you mean, Jason Kidd? He can't have the glamour Laker franchise with LeBron James, and he's got all this domestic abuse and everything else. Stop. First time, last time. Mandatory. Another great reason to make sure you talk about that. All that about dating and all that. First time, last time. I think even with Jason Kidd, there were allegations or rumors that he might have been doing something sexually incorrect in a workplace setting. Like, wow, codification. That should never happen. If you have a code, there is no flirting, chat, even nothing that could be perceived maybe as flirting with a female. I don't care. Black, female, non-white, none of the above. That is total violation of counter-racist code in every way. All of that said, on the day after Bill Cosby release, it's not whoopee, we hired these black coaches. No, 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 no. It's the no-count raping black male is going to be the doom of us all. Bill Cosby is free. Chauncey Billups is coaching that no-count Jason Kidd. Cowbell there, too. That no-count Jason Kidd is back in coaching in Dallas. I mean, if anybody should know about Dallas, I mean, uh, Jason Kidd's history. Dallas drafted him all those years ago. He played for them repeatedly. They should know everything there is to know about Jason Kidd. And I mean, if we want to be really real, I remember Donald Trump did pretty all right. And people knew all kinds of allegations about his sexual impropriety and all the rest. And he was cool for president, almost got the rock out for two terms. So I don't want to hear any of this. Just, oh, we got to beat up on the black male. We got to go and get the attorney, uh, lieutenant governor in uh, Virginia, Justin Fairfax. Like, oh, yeah, we got to get him, too. He's another entitled, privileged, raping black male. Like, is that going to be the conversation for the next year? We can't have any dialogue about anything. Anytime a black male tries to get any type of job of notoriety of any sorts it's up oh, we got to go back and dig for the last 30 40 years and we're not even looking for a crime we're just looking for the allegation that he may have done something incorrect and that is enough 20 30 40 years later i don't know mm. black miss andre bill cosby Oof. What a week. The number is 720-716-7300. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Untiljustice at gmail.com if you have an email. Uh, let me see. Their emails, so I'll make sure I don't miss the emails and get the callers. Hmm. We'll get a couple of the callers and then I'll get the email. The number again is 720 716 7300. The code 564 943 pound. Press star 61 
if you would like to participate. This is Neutralizing Workplace Racism. We are not carrying to other things that are not related to workplace racism. Hopefully, everything that I just presented, very workplace racism focused. Even that black misandry should be very much workplace racism. People sit around and scratch and wonder, why don't we have all these unemployed black males and underemployed black males? And we think of all of them as rapists and thugs in the system of racism, white supremacy. It's very relevant. All of them, all of them, all of them are potential rapists and thugs. That's what we think about them. Apparently all the way through the employment process. Let's see. Uh, folks who dialed in with a hand up. Bay Area mom. So other folks, I don't know if they got knocked off. Bay Area mom should be with us. I'll look for other hands as well. And then I'll get to our emails. Hi, thank you for taking my call. Greetings to everyone on the line. Oh, I was listening to the clips. Um, I, I was thinking about the, the just the businesses around, uh, well, the small businesses around the uh, the the, the, um, the larger businesses that would patronize the locals. I just I think it it's too bad that they're going to suffer like that because I know that had to be um, a big change economically for since everything stopped and then how, yeah, we're going back, but it's slow. And then some people don't even have to, a lot of them can go remotely. A lot of them had gotten used to um, just not eating out like that. Um, just creating ways of doing, you know, the same thing like the coffee and, the sandwiches or whatever the food people just aren't as interested on top of the fact that there's nobody around like they used to be. It's too bad. Um, there's another clip. Oh, San Francisco. Uh. <laughs> so San Francisco, um, they pay a lot more to work in San Francisco. A lot of people, um, cross the bridge just to go there to work um and a lot in the city did uh, they did have a lot of remote workers they did release their workers a lot of them um to work remotely the ones in the offices and if they do have to go back and they uh basically all come together and say everyone has to be vaccinated that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I like to see how that works out. I'm sure it'll work out because you can always find somebody that is vaccinated that will work there. So this it's not a you know big deal for the companies, just for the employee employees. Um. Yeah, and I, I was I I noticed that too with the um the um with how they're um they're just really highlighting the guys and um. I noticed the uh the Billups guy too, um they were talking about him as well and then they're bringing up all the um older charges and then putting it on the on T V and then having us discuss it back and forth. It's 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 like okay, so you got the job but for those who didn't know what happened or wherever you go thereafter, now if you we know now that you were accused maybe perhaps it's possible of so it, it's just a trip how it works even though 
okay, yeah, we might give you the job or we might not give you the job. We still slandered you, too. So, oh, that's awful. Um, my workplace racism. <laughs> so my children, oh, I think my children are getting, okay, I think the children that I um, see on my case are getting, they're going backwards. I can't, hmm. Because I'm only there, I don't want to be there any longer, but it seems like because I'm only there, it seems like they try to show me that they're doing what I'm doing, but it's not consistent enough for me, for people with children on the spectrum. That is complete. Okay. So I'm I'm trying to figure that out um, with both of the children and I, I'm not so heavy with the little girl because I'm not heavy with any, either, any of either nobody, but, um, I'm a little more lenient with the little girl because her grandmother has her all the time. And I don't have a lot of pressure for a grandma and whatever else you got going on. And then you got this, the, the grandparents have the baby so often. And then mom is like, Scrooge McDuck, she's real grunchy. And um I made that up. So um she's real raw and I told you like I said, she's lots of Zoom pounds. She's like real she's she has her own issues. She's she's in she's not in her face you can anyway. So she's very rough with the uh parent, so I don't like I'm a little, I'm real soft with the little girl, but it just seems like it's, it hinders the work. So I'll, I'll figure that out. And even with the little boy as well. Um, oh dear. And he still hasn't been to the dentist or the doctor, so he's still in pain. And it just gives <laughs> like the mom let him have her toothbrush so she can, he can chew on it now instead of throwing. Oh dear. So the, he went and got her toothbrush. And then she's like, well, you can have it now. You know, like, it's it's dirty from him. So her whole 30,000 years of life is on this toothbrush. And now the baby, four-year-old, only baby can have it. Instead of, you know, just rinsing them off and, throwing, you know, doing something else. So now, but he can't brush all the time. So anyway, nobody's paying attention to the fact that something is hurting him. Something is wrong. They're not taking it serious enough. The dad went to the doctor and got his wisdom tooth pulled, but it wasn't enough for anybody to be focused on the fact that something is wrong, which makes it hard for me. I can't deal with him like that if he's in pain and he can't speak. Nobody gets it. So as I'm updating my resume, (laughs) I'm just trying to figure this out. The best part of my week was, my client, my schedule, my client was removed for today. My AM client, they canceled it, said the parent was going, you know, whatever the parents canceled, however. So when I went this week, maybe Tuesday, the grandma said, yeah, I heard you canceled. <laughs> Session for Friday. I said, I thought y'all canceled. I didn't cancel. And she's like, no, I'm trying to say it. She got to tell her, I got to text on Friday, say it canceled. I thought, I see it, but I didn't want to, you know. Not a big deal. So she's like, no, we didn't cancel it. So it's a big deal. Nobody canceled, but the appointment was canceled. So I said, hmm. I 
sent an email to scheduling asking how come the client was removed from my schedule and I carbon copied my black supervisor. So uh, my supervisor sent me one of those little AOL messages and said, uh, I got the message saying that you didn't, um, that the client case was removed. From my understanding, it's the parent camper. I said, uh, I just talked to the mom and she said, she sent screenshot me a text of a text message from Friday that said, y'all canceled. Nobody canceled. She's like, good checking in with the client, and that was it. So now the scheduling sent me an email saying, <laughs> well, the client was canceled because uh, they have something to do that day. <laughs> so I said, oh, okay, no problem. I just, you know, when I talked to the client, they said they never, ever asked for a session to be canceled, but it's no big deal after the day. So um, then the supervisor comes back in, and after she talked to the parent, because the parent was just stating that the child needs all every day, she doesn't, she she wouldn't cancel the day. And so then they had to, the supervisor said, well, can you, I don't know what's going on, but can you put it back on the schedule? And then they ended up putting it back on. But I thought it maybe, I was just thinking maybe because it messes with the holiday pay, if you, I don't know, but it seems like it would do something with the holiday pay. I don't know. I just don't trust. Yeah. So, anyway, thanks for taking my call, and I will mute my line. Mm. Bay Area mom? Indeed. Indeed. Um, I was applauding vigorously. She said, I'm updating my resume. I've got resume. I've got to get out of here. Woo! Do it, do it, do it. I'm sure there are cows listeners who would be uh, thrilled to help. Like that is, uh, that is for sure. Like Watermelon Day, we will celebrate and do a little jig uh, when we get the announcement. New job, have left that old days, bygone days, worthless job, worthless supervisors, like all the way through. All of that, not even thinking about it anymore. Moving on to exorbitant increase in pay professional environment where I can develop my career and learn about racism um, now she talked before she got to her situation she was talking about the hirings uh, with some of the basketball coaches Chauncey Billets and all that and I mean you can think about that too now and really even for Hannah Nicole Jones in my view to a substantially lesser degree it wasn't like they were raking, uh, raking her over the coals metaphor uh, to talk about uh, alleged improper acts that she did 20 or 30 years ago uh, but you get tenure and you don't even get to celebrate that's you know the meant that way that I meant it like it doesn't even become a celebration it's just got to be this Ugh. aren't you a rapist did you rape her how do you know you didn't? It's like, man, I can't even celebrate. This is my first NBA head coaching job and something that I was really looking forward to do. And I can't be happy and proud and come out in the net, 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 net. Rapist thug. Anywho, uh, the grandsister, Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, she said many, many times when you play around with sex, the joke is on the offspring she also children having children Mr. Fuller said that frequently as well man 
that is exactly what that situation sounds like through and through and that's exactly what racists have designed just keep this system going I keep people in a very weak position uh, with all of throwaway children make it very easy for them, us to keep them uh, in a very submissive weak state for generations Dr. Welsing talked about that having the highest value for producing black offspring that should be in our brain computer before that whole process uh, she reminded me the situation in San Francisco because she is in the Bay Area so that's her backyard I neglected I had so many audio clips that's why I said I didn't need to play Chauncey Billups or Hannah Nicole Jones those were just oh my goodness the black misandry continues uh, the San Francisco situation I forgot now they're mandating vaccines for city employees in San Francisco the report from the San Francisco Chronicle San Francisco vaccine mandate gets pushback from unions and black employees San Francisco's employee unions snapped back against an order that city workers receive a coronavirus vaccination on penalty of firing, calling for a more collaborative approach, while an advocacy group warned that black workers could be disciplined more often than others under the mandate. The Service Employees International Union, Local 1021, which represents 20,000 San Francisco employees, called the policy a threatening mandate. Thursday, SEIU and other unions said the city would have to negotiate it with unions rather than imposing it unilaterally. The responses came a day after city officials announced that all 35,000 city employees would need to be vaccinated once the Food and Drug Administration fully approves a vaccine. The city said medical and religious exemptions would be allowed, but that employees who refused vaccinations without obtaining an exemption would be subject to discipline, including firing. Any such change in work rules is subject to collective bargaining, said the unions and the advocacy group Black Employees Alliance and Coalition Against Anti-Blackness, which, which called the city's policy insensitive to black workers every time I see the name uh, of that the black employees alliance and coalition against anti-blacklist like who came up with the name for this <laughs> Why? it is hard to be more specific about what your intent is now they didn't have white supremacy in there but I mean wow the black employees alliance and coalition against anti-blackness If you're in California, you should look them up, maybe be a member. We'll see if we can get them on the program. Uh, they do go on in the article, uh, of course, got to mention got to mention the Tuskegee syphilis experiment and Nurse Rivers and blah, 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 blah. Interestingly, they also mentioned the forced sterilization programs that targeted black people here in the U.S. as also being part of the reason or many reasons why black people do not or have suspicions about the vaccine but that was uh, in addition to one of the audio clips he played I totally forgot had so many uh, lots to think about with that vaccine uh, lots of state employees uh, they've said federal employees disproportionately black people so when they make a and they're considering a policy like this in Los Angeles as well that's how I found out about this the LA Times they had a totally different report they're considering the same thing for LA workers so hmm 
those are large cities and they've got all the tech giants and such, uh, especially in the East Bay area. If they make a policy like that, it would not surprise me if other large cities look and make a similar move. They call California a bellwether state, so-called. Uh, anywho, as for your work situation, updating the resume, updating the resume, update the resume. Uh, the tackiness, see the, the tackiness, they, and they just tell her, oh yeah, the clients canceled it. Oh, they, they just didn't want to see you today. Yeah, yeah. They're tired of you. You know, do something else. They didn't want to look at you. And so you investigate, and I love it. Just professional. Check in with your clients. You have a professional rapport with them. The appointment was canceled today. What? Do what? No, we didn't cancel any appointment. They told us it was canceled. Oh. Document that and report it. And she says she carbon copied the black supervisor. Who's that? Bravo, bravo, bravo. Excellent job checking it. And you see that? Why not just be truthful from the very beginning? No, 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 no. Because, and I mean, hey, that could have, you could have been upset and gone talking to the parents the wrong way and caused conflict, all kinds of things. Why not just be honest about things? You can't even do that. Folks are a total disgrace. Every week it's a new disgrace uh, with these folks. They do not care about the children. They do not care about their workers that's some unjust networking right there to just sit around and, and lie and make up some lame excuse about how we got this information so wrong and accuse the parent of canceling the meeting <sighs> whatever and they don't care about children flagrant as well once again for Dr. Wilson when you play around with sex the joke is on the children offspring there are lots and lots of organizations just like this in the system of white supremacy you want to talk about white welfare where lots frequently lots of white women can sit around and pretend to care about your offspring Bay Area mom uh, let's see number again is 720-716-7300 the code 564 Nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Again, broadcast not for spectators. Uh, let's see. Uh, I think our female caller in Georgia should be with us as well. Hello. Yes, ma'am. Hello. Oh, okay. Um, thank you for taking my call. Hope everyone's having the best evening they can have. Um, for the, the, um, the lady, the young lady in um, the Bay Area, I commend your compassion for the children. I know that can be very stressful. Um, I'm glad you're doing everything you can to move on if that's what you desire to do. I hope, you know, you're able to take any mental health days or anything like that to help. So, I mean, um, you just sound very compassionate you know, for your job, not just trying to really do a good job, but to really make an impact in their lives. So I commend you for that because not everyone has that drive to do that. So thank you for trying to make children better. Um, in regards to um, what you were saying about the black males not being, you know, their situations not being elevated about the things that happen to them, I do totally agree. It just seems like it gets worse and worse and the more I listen to the show not just because you say it but the, you know you look around you see you go oh what about this poor guy and things like that and I think um, 
what Dr. Wilson said about the joke being on the offspring. You know, it's not just a kid that may, a child that may be born out of a relationship that's not, you know, this child is not, you know, I don't want to say not wanted, but, you know, a surprise in that situation. But the children that you do mean to have, like with Mr. Billups, you know, he has to go back and explain to his children, you know, what happened and, you know, does that affect the way that his children see him and things like that? So I do think, you know, and I know people are young and they don't really think, they may not be thinking, oh, how is this going to affect my children down the road? But, you know, you have to think about that too, not just some child that was born quote-unquote out of wedlock, but, you know, the children that you do want and how your actions do reflect on them. I know you think, sometimes you think about how, Children's actions reflect on the parents that they may be quote unquote bad parents if their children do something. But you, as a parent, you have to think about what you do and how it affects your your children. You know the ones that you want. <laughs> you know the ones that you did want and love and you provide. You know you constantly provide for. Um, then you you're talking about um, the businesses in the white collar areas. I don't know who those people. Oh, all those people were talking. Talking. I don't know if they were mostly white or non-white. I just, it just seems to me. I know when it comes to like grooming, black, from what I see, I'm probably an exception. But black people tend to be very loyal to their groomers. So I don't know. I know there was, you know, with COVID, they couldn't go to the places. But once the places open up, I would wonder how it would affect black grooming, the hair, the barbershops and beauty salons so to speak, because they tend to be very loyal to their, seems to be very loyal to their people, so I would wonder what effect that would have. I know the other businesses, the food and this, that, and the other, they did have the Grubhub and the delivery, so I don't know if those companies, those food trucks, if they were, had something they felt was very unique with, you know, trying to sign up for that type of thing. I don't know if they thought about that or option, you know have them deliver if your food is that, you know, fantastic, you know, people will search it out. Not that your food is bad, but if it's that great, oh, I love it, love it, you know, people will search out for it. So that just reminds us in general, if we're going to go into business or whether we work, you know, make sure we do the of our best work so that if it is, you know, an event that it is gone or seems to be taken away, that people will search out for it because it's the best in general. Um, that's all I have for now. Thank you. Right on. Uh, female caller down in Georgia. Um, black self-respect, some kudos for our Bay Area mom, who I, I would say consistently has demonstrated trying to go above and beyond to help out the children that she works with, black children that she works with, and families that she uh, works with in spite of a, I would say, extremely toxic works. I mean, unjust networking and all kinds of nonsense. They can't even be honest about the shifts. And then they'll come back and ask her to work all these extra shifts where she has to get off really late and, you know, can't even take proper care of herself so that she can then take care of her clients. Uh, I mean, just under the war, which is the position that many, many victims of racism bind themselves in where they're not valued appreciated at all and then they still try to go in and do great work especially when they're you know serving black people frequently or other non-white people but kudos uh for 
that as well. Um, yeah, I, you know, just tell folks, you know, follow logic. You, you use your your eyeballs and what you see on a regular basis. The evidence, uh, you know, in terms of what you see happening, things that you see happening uh, around you. You know, the black misandry, in my view, it's a stark component uh, of how this system operates in terms of how we are to think of black males, even when we are to think of them. That's why I said that that segment, every single black female that they mentioned victim of white supremacy. Absolutely. I'm just saying, is it like, is there a rule? Like we have to do this segment where we only focus on black females. We cannot include black males in this segment. If we're going to talk about them, it can only be Bill Cosby Chauncey Billups, potential racist, Jason Kidd, he's a sexual abuser, no count, just like that, no count O.J. Simpson, and Bill Cosby. That's the only context that we can talk about black males? Like, really? <laughs> that can't be anything else. And I mean, that has a huge impact in keeping the system of white supremacy, racism going, and just seeing how consistent that thread, you know, is throughout, you know, the sister opted it known universe how consistent uh that theme is uh anywho um let's see number again i'll give out seven two zero seven one six seven three hundred the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate, not for spectators. Uh, let me see. Let me get to some of the folks who wrote in. Hmm. Until justice at gmail.com. Is this it? Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Female victim of racism. I've been working in my new position for over a month now. I have a few incidents to report. My first day at work was interesting. I work with two females, a white and a non-white, who classified as a Hispanic and black. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I was getting trained by the non-white female about the procedures in the nursing station. The white female is also a nurse, but she works in a room that's directly connected to us. Her title is nurse practitioner. The job title that was given to me and the non-white female is community mental health nurse or psychiatric nurse. The non-white female informed me about a problem that occurred prior to me starting. It has to do with maintaining oral prescription medication in the nursing station. The white female got upset about how long the medications sat in the draw drawer. She decided to take those medications and throw them out. Uh oh. She did this in front of a doctor, Hispanic, possibly classified as a white male. They argued and he took his patient's meds to his office. Director of the clinic, white female, was out on vacation, surprise, at this time, so the male possibly classified as white doctor complained that he would speak to her about it upon her return I found out that most of the oral medications ordered to patients are done by this nurse practitioner 
ridiculous. Another incident happened directly to me. Doctors, white female and Hispanic male, possibly classified as white, approached me while I was walking to the office I'm allowed to sit at. Not my office. Lovely. A-plus codification. Uh, the white female asked if I cared about where my office is. I was silent. She and the male, Hispanic but possibly classified as white, started suggesting other offices I could sit at. The problem they had was the printing machine was previously in the office they allowed me to sit at. I told them that where I'm allowed to sit at is not my choice. I asked them to question the white female in charge. They have not questioned me again. I personally did not unpack my stuff until the director returned, just in case she agreed and asked me to move. <sighs> so trifling. I recently did supervision with the director of the clinic, white female. Supervision is where the supervisor checks in with employees. I used this meeting to solve some problems I had in the nursing station. After the meeting, I documented everything we discussed. I also have plans to have questions ready for the next supervision. I checked in with the non-white female I work with. She told me that the director questioned how she related to other employees. She mentioned that she needs to be calmer and to work on getting along with others. I suggested to the non-white female to question what she meant about those comments. I suggested to make sure to come to the director with your own questions to improve how you work. I also told her to document what the director discussed with you. During the past week, I came to work late. The first day I was late because I was caring for my offspring while my attempted husband went to an interview. Parenting is extraordinarily difficult work. The second day I came in late was due to dropping off the car I'm allowed to drive at the shop for repair. Both times I asked the non-white female to cover and she assisted with covering for me. The director did not even question my lateness. This is definitely different from my previous plantation. I will continue to observe this behavior on the part of my director. I also do not plan to be late to work until my probation period is over. Excellent. Another possible episode of uh, of possible racism. I noticed a patient had an issue with a medication order. I went to speak to the white male doctor. He corrected the issue, then proceeded to ask me to check if one of the patients he cares for is in the waiting room. I told him the only patient in the waiting room area is the patient I was seeing. He asked me to check again. I said okay. I did not look for the patient he requested because one, I was seeing a patient and two, most importantly, 
he could check himself. I suspect that was a refined way of practicing racism. He is not my supervisor, and that is not my role as a nurse. Code. As for my dress code, I wear scrubs to work. I no longer wear makeup, and my hair is in the same style. This has minimized any comments on my clothing or my hairstyle. I also make sure I am prepared to speak to my supervisors and bring questions to solve problems I'm having. Pros: I have my own office. I have another victim to cover my position. The director does seem does not seem to mind lateness. I get better compensation. I understand more about racism, white supremacy, due to context of white supremacy and Mr. Fuller. I don't know how that's a pro for the workplace, but we'll take it. Uh, cons: the location is far. That was in the report they had about hybrid work that non-white people tend to live farther away from where they work at, not by accident, not by coincidence. Let's see. Uh, I got too far. Okay, luxury uh, may run into issues with childcare. Parenting is really hard. Uh, the white people I work with seem like refined racists. Mm, Got to be careful about them. They will be really nosy and observant. Uh, thank you so much for. Uh, okay, uh, love the codification. I guess I'll go in reverse instead of the way. The own office that's great better compensation that's great uh dress code okay spectacular anybody if you work in a position where you could basically wear the same thing i'm not saying like wear the exact same like shirt and pants or whatever it is blouse whatever i'm just saying like you could wear that every day that's what i would do and i've said this before i would go for scrubs Woo! you could easily go and buy like and they're so cheap you could get like 10 of the exact same top, 10 of the exact same bottom, 10 of the exact same pair of socks or whatever. So, I mean, you literally could wear the exact same uniform every day. And it would be crispy clean. You wouldn't even have to wash it every day. Just go, like I said, 10 of each, boom, boom, boom. And that's what I would wear. And that exactly what she said. Now, there is never, not one comment about the wardrobe oh my god where did you get that from let me touch it oh pimping look at oh let me touch your hair girl there's never anything to say about my clothes because i wear the exact same thing every day that eliminates a whole chunk of where did you get this from and where did you do that and what's going on with your hair and oh you look let's just stay focused on the job go back to what I said about Jason Kidd no flirting with people I don't make comments about other people's wardrobe I'm not interested in hearing anybody here comment about my wardrobe you can look cute on your own time excellent I love it codify the dress code and the hair too I love it love it love it uh, let's see she said Oh, the check where some white person, male or female, they're not your supervisor. 
you don't answer to them. They're not supposed to be, you know, managing you and making sure you're on task and all that. Where they come over and now they're giving you orders. Oh, yeah. And my, the, all of that is racism, white supremacy. I would just go about my business. And that's another one. They're not ignorant about racism, white supremacy. We got a negra here. I don't care what your title is. I don't care who your supervisor is. You're a negra. I'm supposed to be able to boss any of these negras around. I don't care who they are, how old they are. They don't have to work at this hospital, really. Let's see. Uh, the late one, uh, Mr. Fuller, I think we got the clip. Wait, we didn't even have workplace racism at the time, but he talked about, he wasn't even bragging. It was almost just like he was talking about the weather was 60 degrees today. Just statement of fact that he worked for 30 years was never late. Now that in and of itself is, you know, you want to talk about codification caveat. Now you talk about work distance. One of the ways he was able to pull that off. Mr. Fuller was able to walk to work. I think a whole lot of, cause she said she had car trouble, right? That was one of the reasons she was late. I think a whole lot of us could probably pull off being on time every day. If we could walk to work, most of us because of white supremacy, racism don't have that luxury. Anywho, uh, I'm a big advocate. I've said it a long time. Do as best you can. Uh, even try to get to work uh, 20, 30 minutes uh, before you need to be there. Just that kind of built in. I know some cows employees, uh, what was that? some cows listeners have applied this strategy in their work environment and it worked well. Man, I can tell you that's one white people notice. I know one cow's listener, this is what she did. She especially she was in her probationary period, but it just carried over. Uh she I think it was like eight AM. She had to be at work at eight. She would show up at seven thirty and just sit in the parking lot and do what we talked about. You know, you do your breathing, listen to Neely Fuller Junior, listen to Doctor Welsing or whatever, Doctor Cambon, whatever listen to NPR, <laughs> listen to nothing. Do your breathing exercises, calm your mind, think out what are things that might happen on the job. Are they going to come in and harass me about moving today? Okay, so someone respond to that. Boom, boom, boom. Deal that the white man who thinks he's my boss, racist, want to come over and push me around. Tell me what to do. Boom, boom. Okay, so I'm going to deal with that. Okay, boom, boom. All right. Already just thinking out your day. What could happen? How to respond? Sometimes it might be I say nothing whatever calm my mind just get myself in a space to go i'm a huge advocate for that at least that way you got 30 minutes if something happens that's irregular from your normal schedule now i don't have my 30 minute prep time but i'm still not late all of that said i would just encourage uh victims of racism it's been my experience sometimes like we talked about the refined racists white people are watching even if they don't say anything and i've seen that too uh where sometimes if you come in late and it can be totally legit, you called in, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you came in late, let's say over, let's say over a year period, came in late, maybe four times, right? Not every day, not chronic at all. Generally very on time, punctual, professional employee, right on. They'll, it'll come time for like uh raise or performance evaluation, that sort of thing. They're like, well, I don't know. You were, you were late back, you know, June 29, 2021, and then you were late again on July 1st, and it'd be like, man, that was, 
eternity ago. Yeah, this other person, they haven't been late at all. So we're going to go. It'll be that sort of thing. So I would just be very, I think she said she didn't intend on being late. So just in general, even if they don't say anything, I would be cautious about if you're a non-white person, especially if you're a black female, black male, black child, even if they don't say anything. I would be cautious. Sometimes they do the unjust networking and they have like their little hidden tally. Like, oh, he was late. And they might even embellish it. Like, let's say you were car trouble. Let's say you were 12 minutes late. They'll embellish it and it'll be, oh, she was 25 minutes late. You know, an hour almost passed before she called. It'll be that type of thing, you know. So be mindful. Be mindful and spectacular. If you got a non-white person who is there, you'll have a great rapport, trustworthy, and the person does what what you ask, cover for you and all that spectacular uh, but even with that you know they easily compromise a lot of victims of racism they might go and all the rest of it just something to be mindful when uh, as she said wouldn't have too many intentions on being late as best I could help it saying that as someone who is not a parent next going reverse let's see oh my god now she, she said uh, the non-white female uh, had her check in with her supervisor. Uh, I I'm, feel obligated now. I've said this for a long time. This is one of those now. Unless you're okay with everybody in the hospital, in the organization, hearing what you say, this is one of those like, ooh, I don't know. I know some some victims of racism. I don't have any suggestions to give out because you might go back and rat on me and snitch to the supervisor or whatever and, you know, say I'm trying to start trouble or something of that nature. Uh, It's just one of those, like I said, black self-respect for anybody who tries to help out other victims of racism in a workplace environment and give them some helpful suggestions, things that they can do. And really, if it's just asking questions, that shouldn't cause a problem. Well, (laughs) I was going to say what I was going to say, but asking questions should not cause a problem encouraging another coworker to make sure that they ask questions and understand, you know, information that's being presented, especially in an evaluation. Yeah, ask questions to make sure you understand and ask questions to solve some of your problems. Who should have a problem with that? Individuals committed to unjust networking might have a problem with that. But generally speaking, Hey, asking a question to get clarification, psh, no problem. But I just always give up my caution, my word of caution when we are, what would I call it? Um, assisting other victims, non-white people in the workplace. White people, you know, they can compromise a lot of victims of racism and produce a lot of snitching or uh, talking bad, giving up information on other victims of racism. We're all in weak positions. Uh, let's see awesome job having questions ready if there's a supervision I think is spectacular asking questions about your evaluation and your marks things that you can do better and if there are problems things that this white person that you're talking to if it's a white person or non-white person things that this person has the ability to solve right now or clarify right now absolutely like have your questions ready to roll I've been looking forward to my evaluation I can get some clarification see if I'm going to get a raise and if I'm not going to get a raise I can find out exactly why so I can work on correcting that and get my raise next time and polish my resume Uh, mm, 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 mm. oh the chair episode oh uh, we have talked for years, man, that possessive adjective. 
this is not my computer this is not my office this is not my pen I'm just allowed to hang out here like <laughs> that is so important and I said not just because it's true like they have the uh, the stamps right if you look at that computer or flip that chair or desk over it'll probably be stamped you know property of Microsoft or whatever whatever your company wherever you work at it'll be stamped this is our property this is not yours it is extremely important uh, to be mindful of that at all times especially if we're talking about a piece of electronic equipment like this is not my computer cell phone tablet whatever it is I need to make sure I use that every time I pick up this device it's not mine now the seating we've had folks who have called in like it can be any reason at all it can be we have three black people sitting in this area and it seems like they are getting along we thought they would be gossiping and coon this and coon that and inward this and be that and rah, rah, rah. and they're getting along and trying to be constructive this you know nigga woman is here you know telling her to ask questions during the evaluation and trying to help her stay, da, 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 da. move her put her on the basement put the other one in the attic I've seen that in fact we've seen that all over the world that's in uh, almost British Octavia Butler uh, book, Olivia Butler, excuse me, uh, her book. She was a guest on the program in 2011. Uh, we had other red and she was in red in uh, Nevada at the time, said the exact same thing. Got along with the non-white people. We're constructive. We're sitting together. Nah, 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 nah. Move everybody. Have that thinking. If you have the nice cushy office, great chair, great desk is probably some race soldiers sitting right next to you who are furious about it it might even just be that it might not be anything about the printer I think that's what she said might not have anything to do with that that this nigga woman has got this nice big office oh, I'm a puck can we move her can we put her next to the trash can the toilet can we can we do that anything I'm gonna I'm go ask do you mind sitting here what is she to give him the They know I'm a nigra. I can jump up and down all day long. This is my office. I just got it. Don't you see my name played up there? They call my name. I am a nigra. You know you can get me thrown out of here right now. You don't need my permission. You don't need to ask me how I feel about sitting right here. What's she talking? Go talk to the white woman. I was assigned this seat. They knew that from the beginning. That's why I said just tacky to come talk about some nonsense. Like, let's go, let's go see. And even if they do move me, I didn't unpack anything. Why? This is not my office. So I'm not going to act like it. That's why I said from a mental standpoint as a victim of racism, it is very important. I'm not going to get comfortable and have my feet kick my heels off or she's not in heels she's in her scrubs but anyway I'm not going to have my feet propped up and get comfy in my hospital scrubs and it's, this is not my desk it's not my chair even classic I love it and the tackiness like I said it probably didn't have anything to do with a printer or anything else they're just tacky racist got this nigga woman in the office throw her out of here right now she should be down cleaning toilets or whatever let's see 
she did get a lot of poor detail let me see make sure i didn't miss anything now the medication now that right there like that would have been lawed i'm glad she took notes about that that sort of thing there's supposed to be a proper procedure and i talk about that all the time even if white supremacy racism is not being directly practiced against you on this day per se you still want to be very observant there are probably still lots of things that you can learn and even be you know noting policy and procedure especially if you work in some sort of hospital environment or medications are involved like oh we it is not supposed to just be oh looky there they got medications left over i'm gonna just toss these out like whoa whoa and that might be a whole staff whoa they come in here and look in the drawer and see all of the medication is gone like whoa do we have some sort of opioid trafficking going on what is going on here generally there's policy and procedure about that sort of thing are we following it or no and i would note that too because if we have a staff person that i work in close proximity with who is violating what i would perceive to be major violations of procedure how we handle medication in a medical facility where's my workplace journal like detail and you talk about question do we have a procedure on disposal of medication? And if so, what is that procedure? That might be one I'd sling in a like a big staff meeting. Everybody there like what in the world? This be the type of thing they blame me for. I'm a nigra and I'm a new staff. Like, oh, my goodness. I'm on my probation period. Like, oh, my goodness, man. Let's see. Mm-mm-mm. And they got this Hispanic fella who appears that he could be classified as white. Anything like that, he would just be a suspected racist. Uh, that's uh, This is just gusty personal code, v, uh, victims guaranteed, qualified, you know, whatever. But uh, he would be a suspected racist, uh, and that's how I would function around him until I had, like, a substantial amount of evidence to prove otherwise. Uh, you're not going to fool me and just, you know, celebrate Latino History Month or something else and claim that you are ethnic today. And that's not the case. You're just a white man who tans really well, or maybe you can speak Spanish, whatever it is. Like, no, suspected racist. And that's the way we'll operate until I have evidence to the contrary. And that's when I would be willing to be wrong on. I would much rather be wrong that way than me thinking, oh, this is cool. And, you know, he's one of us and people of color solidarity, non-white alliance, activate him. (laughs) Race soldier speaking Spanish. Much obliged, vegan RD. Uh, 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 Let's see. The number again, 720-716-7300. The code five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Email until justice at gmail dot com. See if other folks have uh, thoughts they would like to share, either their own situation or if you have any strategies, tips that you. think may be helpful for other victims of racism make sure i remind folks not for spectators uh, certainly if we have any folks out there listening if you have any tips strategies that may aid other victims of white supremacy racism uh, let's see while folks are spectating getting their thoughts together uh, or what have you uh, one, I know this is a holiday weekend. It seemed like we just had uh, one tacky holiday with the whole Juneteenth uh, foolishness and now to be stumbling into another one. 
Uh, I have been on jobs where uh, the work they did have like a company July 4th uh, celebration type thing. So hopefully the Rona will shut a lot of that stuff down. Uh, we went to like a park. Yeah, we went to a park doing work hours uh, and they had like uh, barbecue and outdoor activities, sporting events and that sort of thing. Same advice that I give uh, for the Christmas shindigs. You make an appearance, and that's what I did then. I didn't even have codification. I hadn't even read Mr. Fuller's book, but you make an appearance. I don't remember if I ate any. I was vegan at the time, so they had hot dogs and hamburgers and all that, so I certainly turned up my nose at all that. I did not do any of the sporting activities. I sat, nodded, had a chuckle, and was out of there promptly. <laughs> like, uh, I think they should have pictures. Like, oh, yes, he was present, so... No, and, and that one was actually during work hours, so we were actually being paid for being present. But I mean, I stayed there for the amount of time we were required, and then peace on. Uh, and certainly no alcohol if, if, you know, they have something where it's going to be at a bar or what have you. Like, you are all about salsa water, ice water. Uh, you are a teetotaler for the event if they have anything. But I mean, my God, I would hope it's not that, you know, wacky so quickly. Uh, let's see. Uh, if folks are not, if like, you know, the folks listening in, hey, we don't have any of those crazy problems in the workplace. We get our raises on time. They're not trying to finagle some kind of way to boot us out of our cushy office or, or steal our desk from us. Grand. Uh, if things are that well, then you should be getting all of your raises, bonuses and uh, excellent work increases of compensation so you should be able to invest uh hit the blog racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com racism hyphen notes dot blogspot dot com listener supported counter racist radio uh paypal button is in the top right corner uh, also on cash app cash dot app forward slash dollar sign the cows uh, much obliged to all the folks who have invested 12 plus years uh, hopefully some constructive information that can be used in the workplace and beyond to neutralize the system of white supremacy immediately uh, one thing uh, I will say I try to apply this not just in terms of how uh, the cows operates but uh, I would say in general uh, in a work I just talked about being punctual being on time, Mr. Fuller's code, you know, try to uh, just that's a regular part of your uh, schedule. You arrive maybe 20 minutes, 15, 30 minutes before you are actually scheduled to be at work. Uh, and that's just your routine. Uh, having that same sort of uh, codification when you are working with black people, victims of racism. I think it was Josh Wicket. I might be in error, but I think it was him. Uh, victim of racism. He's been a guest on the program. He was talking about. Uh, how sometimes we victims, we do not value other non-white people. Like if we're going to meet, uh, let's say, I don't know, let's say we're going to, we're going to have some sort of meeting uh, tomorrow afternoon and we're going to talk about doing like a, a vegan yoga program, right? Uh, or doing maybe talk about opening the vegan yoga studio, right? Uh, and so it's going to be a, a vegan yoga studio for all black people. So we're going to get together, talk about what this might look like. And so it's all of us. We're going to meet and let's say we're going to meet at 12 o'clock uh, as opposed to us all getting there, being there at 12. Uh, it might end up being some kind of lollygag if they're 12:30, 1, that type of thing. I'm even saying the same way that we value white people's time. 
value black people's time. Uh, if it's business, even if it's just something serious, like value their time. I think Minister Malcolm X talked about that. Like when I'm going, I'm supposed to have a meeting. Uh, I'm supposed to show up at somebody's house. If I'm supposed to be there at six, five fifty nine, you can set your watch. I am walking up the steps valuing other people's time especially it's valuing black people's time and energy so much about the system of racism like white people especially the more powerful race soldiers they value their time and energy. they are what are they known for that time is money time is money <laughs> like man gotta every little second has got to be accounted for when it comes to victims of racism they will waste our time on all kinds of folly and foolishness that is not about solving any problems certainly not about solving the system of racism white supremacy so with other victims getting to the same way our time is valuable this is a victim of racism their time is valuable too uh if this is some sort of business uh or whatever it is like thinking because the system of racism just kind of has that ingrained in us where we just don't have the same value for the lives and time and resources uh of black people uh, unless i'm in error and i do not think so Let's see. Folks still taking a moment to get their thoughts together. Incidentally, one before I get to the phones uh, again. Now, we've done workplace racism uh, for five plus years at this point, like exclusively as its own weekly program. And then we had the segment on the compensatory call in for, I believe, years, even before it was a separate broadcast. I'm not aware of anyone who said like I was mistreated, like I lost a job or they kicked me out of my office. I lost my knife, nice, cushy, big chair fooling around listening into the cows or much worse calling in to the cows. You know, my supervisor identified my voice or, you know, some of my speech patterns from some of the emails that I wrote in. I haven't heard that. I've heard people say that they think some of their coworkers are listening, but it wasn't attached to I was mistreated or fired. Maybe some of these people that happened and they didn't call in. I guess that could be. But I'm not aware of that. I know, like I said, Mr. Fuller, uh, he talked about for years that people were aware of his book. He never had a problem. I know Dr. Uh, Sin Q, uh, Khalif Muhammad, he's been a guest on the program repeatedly as well. Uh, he said he's done YouTube videos even so people can see his face and everything. He said uh, people that he's worked for, white people, uh, saw his YouTube videos. We're like, hmm, are you that Sin Q fella when they're talking about white supremacy? He's like, yep, yeah. It's like, oh, okay, thought it was you, okay. Duly noted, dangerous coon. And it continued. <laughs> no, they didn't fire him on the spot or anything like that. So just making sure I get that in. If, if there are people where they do think, yes, I was fired or encountered some sort of problem as a result of participating in workplace racism, let me know because I am not aware of that. I know people have said, you know, for a while that they were nervous about participating in this segment specifically which I can understand but I don't know if you're not using your name and unless you think your employees like monitor your phone calls and your private hours away from the job or your emails which they may be doing I don't know if that's the case then you have bigger problems than you know calling into the cows let's see uh, other folks who dialed in if you have commentary to share I'm curious we end up 
the workplace racism uh, spectators, like maybe one day they can share, like we, we are spectating because things are so good at work we don't want to jinx it by saying anything? That could be the case, maybe. Maybe. I can understand if you're not having problems. Now, what do they say? Don't rock the boat. Calling into the cows might rock the boat. Calling in and saying things are good, and then they won't be good anymore. Maybe. A little superstitious, but maybe. Uh, let's see. May I be heard? Caller in Florida? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Gus, the host, the listeners and callers. Um, on that point, I haven't uh, had any of those um, issues or problems about uh, things happening on the job or being mistreated for uh, calling to uh, speak on the cows program. Uh, definitely has helped me. I've been calling for some years. Uh, I see because I started listening around about maybe 2012. I started at the courthouse in 2011, and it was shortly after that I started listening to uh, Gus. You and Mr. Fuller have um, uh, your conversations on the program, and then I just started listening to. Uh, other broadcasts and then it came to the I think it's the compensatory call in and then workplace racism so definitely I've learned a lot uh, but to get into some reports see I, I'm, I think I am having an impact a constructive impact on just uh, speaking and doing my best to counter the injustices uh, and just speaking at the right times, being silent at the correct times, uh, not always responding to things and just observing and watching. And then just uh, some, in some way, just doing, having the finding the right times to do those things and just trying to develop, and refine my codes if I need to. Uh, but as, as far as the updates, uh, some interesting things going on. Uh, this week, I noticed that it's been the second week of the new white person starting in our area. And at the same time, there are two new black females that have started at the courthouse. So we have two courthouses. We have the civil courthouse where I've been since day one. Um, the first black female is in the actual civil department, right? And the other black females in the uh, criminal courthouse a couple of blocks down the street, the newer building. So I just wanted to start out with that because even if I mentioned it before, just the timing of that, that they were obviously uh, finding a way to value a a white person to find a, um, a white, quote unquote, qualified candidate 
to put in the area where we are. Then they hired two black people at the same time after that. So I think it's racism a part of that. Um, my next is that I heard the supervisor use the comment that, oh, blank is in the house, <laughs> you know, talking to the, uh, the, the bailiff. And then I know I've shared through the years that these phrases that are for the most part attributed, connected to black people. Right. So I think, man, I know she would not use that in a context of speaking about someone who is white mainly. Right. So, um, my next one is when I, I got upstairs, I introduced myself to the white person, white woman, um, and to clan and click. Well, it's the same thing to me, like clan members, um, from the click, they were coming from the other side. So they were just too, um, phony, I guess, or just too trying to be too, too nice or whatever. And I'm not trying to make that like a, like a thing to say that somebody can be too nice because people should be courteous, have the quorum and whatnot. I understand that, but it was, it was too, um, artificial to me. Uh, so she was like, Oh, well, did you get to meet such and such? I said, I said, Oh yeah, I had just, uh, I just met her and her and the other clan member. Um, I said, uh, have you two, have both of you been behaving? <laughs> you know, that's just the way I said it. Um, it's, and then she responded, I don't think she, you know, answered it, but she said, well, I asked her if I have to beat anyone up, can you let me know? And I said, you don't have to do all of that. Like that's, that's unnecessary. That's not professional. So they just both walked off. So uh, I'm like, what, how, why would you respond with violence like that? Do if I have to beat anybody up? So I guess she call herself trying to protect her. Maybe it's because she's white. I guess that's the punchline in that comment. Um, but my my next one after that is later on that morning, on Monday, right? This is just on Monday. So I walked in and I was like, I just wanted to share some things about this email where you're talking about. We want to set an expectation. We want to set an example. She used the metaphor, uh, start, start on the right foot. I said, can you explain what you meant by that? You use that metaphor because, you know, I, I talked to you about these metaphors to you and you say you use metaphors a lot. So what do you mean when you say start with the right foot? And she just says, well, um, I just wanted to make sure that we're being professional and even with what that may mean. And I just wanted to reemphasize that we have a policy and doing the right thing about how we are being, how we are showing decorum and how we emphasize the dress code and things like that and doing quality work and just trying to refresh. And that's the way she worded it or whatever. So we had this long conversation and I was trying to ask as many questions as I can. Uh, but I wanted to point out like some of her 
body language, the way the body language that she was exhibiting. Um, every like I want to say every time she was blinking, when it was my turn to speak, like on her her pupils would roll from. It's it's not exactly like rolling your eyes, but it was coming from the top, like she <laughs> like she was looking up and then looking back down at me. And I said this with a victim, and she said she thought it was it, it was evil, <laughs> you know. Um, that's the way she described it. It just looked like something I never seen before, man. So, uh, but you know, white people are a mystery in, in a sense. So she was blinking at times and the eye, both of her eye pupils would look up and then quickly look back down at me as I was talking. And then one time she was saying, Oh, I didn't mean the point. I guess she pointed her index finger or whatnot. And she mentioned that she apologized about that. So it got to a point to where she was saying, do you think it was tension in the office? Because I was saying, no. and of course I responded, I said, yes, I do. But I was saying, like, I just think people are, um, people are behaving in ways that aren't genuine or something like that. Something I said, I can't remember it all the way. But I, I think it's just being done toward me and not really too many other people. And then she named a particular person. And then I said, no, it's not really just her. It's a particular set of people. Uh, but she uh, ended up saying that she was talking about sharing some of the things that I said with two of the top people uh, and seeing what they would say about it. And she was saying that the warden, which is one of the two top, oh, well, she's stressed with all of this work and these two positions, this and that. And I didn't really feel like wanting to hear that, but I just sat and listened. So uh, and, and one last part of that conversation, she was like, oh, well, you know, we're trying to do better with how we treat each other and we should have this department meeting <laughs> And I just said, I didn't, I don't plan on talking in this meeting that she was talking about having. But what I noticed is that when she made an example, she named a black person name. And she was talking about how she was curious of how she would uh, emotionally respond to the people at the other front counter on the white side. That's, that's the way I connected it. So I'm like, huh, that's interesting. She named her. But then when it came to when the uh, white female had issues, when she was coming into her office causing problems, she just said, I just had a staff member. See, so it became abstract and more general, and she wasn't direct. Right? So I, I think, hey, that's, that's racism, racism to me. You're not identifying the white um, violator and what she's doing. And I knew exactly who she was talking about, but she didn't name her. Right. And she said she got upset with this person and everything. Um, and she, she used the acronym about if we were to have this conversation, people are going to be doing the B and M. Right. <laughs> so I said, B and M. 
Now, I, I know it and what I think that means. So, and it, and it slipped my mind to ask what did that mean, but I, I concluded on what I think it means, and I think it, it has a curse word in it. Uh, so, it was, we hadn't talked so long, so I was about to walk out, but she said this at the end. So, uh, I, I wanted to share a little bit on that. Um, and my, uh, um, coworker that I speak with, she was talking about an incident of racism with a baby where, uh, another click, uh, the click leader really, uh, which is to be expected, of course, this is her offspring. Another one of the people she got hired on brought her baby into the office, a little daughter. Um, so the victim walks past the white woman holding the baby and she, she just, you know, waves and speaks or whatever. And the white woman holding the baby says, Oh, say, Hey to miss blank, miss blank. Right. So the baby's not responding. Like she don't hear the lady, the, the white person talking to her that's holding her. But the, the white baby is not ignorant. So, she says it again, <laughs> and then uh, on after the second time, the white baby says, "Oh, I want to talk to such and such." She she names a, a a name, and this is a person that works in the office. I'm like, how did? But she named the person exactly who the person was, and this person was the the cashier lady, another one of their friends, another one of the cliques. She named one of the the names, another one of the white women not even responding to just say, Hey, just say, Hey, to the, to, to, to Ms. Blank. Right. So she totally practiced racism. So her mom was coming out of her office. Uh, and she says, Oh, you know, this is the baby. This is my baby. And then the baby says, Oh, I want mommy. I want mommy. So she shared that with me. Right. Um, and I was like, wow, that's, I'm not even surprised at that. Uh, I have two more I'd like to share. Um, there's a victim in the area that I work in. She came back from, uh, she came back from lunch break and it was rain. It's been raining down here in Florida a lot this week. So she's in the church. She's what they call, I guess, like a, a first lady, um, wife of a pastor. So I think that's where this came from. This came from this, this so-called what they would call joke, but I think it was anti-blackness racism. Uh, so she had to sit at the black person desk to cover. So when she was leaving, the, the black person had said, uh, oh, it's raining so bad outside. I just wish I could just go home and get in the bed and just read a nice book. And Gus, like you mentioned, reading is more important than watching television. Uh, so the, 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 another click number, these are all different people now. And like every, every example, these are all different members, right? So they, they all are practicing racism. So she says, no, no, that's not what she meant. Uh, what she really meant was she wants to go home since it's raining, she wants to go home and she wants to read the Bible. Right. 
Now, she didn't say the Bible. She said she wants to read a book. So the victim responds and says, no, I meant what I said. So it's I can see that the tension is right there. And it's the racists starting the tension, right? And we're, as we as victims are just responding to the, the tension, the terrorism. Um, and my last one is, I was just, I was going to send you an image. This one also, once again, involves candy. Um, and it was the 4th of July today and no black people participated, right? Maybe except one out of like eight black people. So did, okay. Another gang member, another clan member, she was going around passing out these Hershey bars, right? And it's not that, and now Hershey is chocolate. This um, was a cookies and cream, red, white, and blue. The rap, the wrapper. The word white is in dark letters: red, white, and blue. Fourth of July occasion and everything. So the reason I'm mentioning this is she passed this out. That was the first one. The second one was. She walked around saying that she made s'mores. If people know what s'mores are, uh, uh, chocolate and what I think what marshmallow, graham crackers and whatnot. So she she was she kept emphasizing white, white chocolate, right? So on the wrapper it says cookies and cream. Don't say no white chocolate. So uh, that was the second one. I jotted that down. I said no. I said, I'm good. I said, did you make these? Uh, yeah, I had made them. I had made them. I said, no, I'm good. I mean, I didn't say it like that. You know, I was polite, professional. I said, you know, I'm okay or whatever. Uh, and then another one said, oh, well, you can you can take this one to your mom. I was like, no, no I'm not doing that. So, uh, and the last one was that she sent out an email that I print out and uh, it was in response to the clerk saying there was more treats and ice cream downstairs. Uh, there's an overabundance of them in the freezer. Y'all can go down and indulge and everything. So she responded to, to all, replied to all, and said, uh, and I also made these s'mores. And she put this image of a Hershey bar. I made this s'mores with this wonderful white chocolate in it. <laughs> right? Like that's the and then going with the adjectives, right? Wonderful white chocolate, and I'm like she she constantly is using this word. I just think it was a racist, um, white supremacist tactic in that, in my view. And I just wanted to mention those things, and and that's all I have to share. Thanks for allowing me to speak. Dang. The way she was talking about the the s'mores, she should have. Uh, what's the crown? It was uh, it was K ninety two or whatever. The brilliant white chocolate. Like wow. Okay. Uh, incidentally, not that I'm a s'mores uh, expert or anything, but s'mores traditionally are not made with white chocolate. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen s'mores made with white chocolate it's like a quintessential dark chocolate dessert Graham, it's exactly what he said graham crackers 
marshmallow, and dark chocolate. It's even, why would you put white chocolate? Because you've got the white marshmallow on it. Doesn't even look like we've got chocolate. Just whiteness going all down the graham cracker. But fascinating nonetheless, the emphasis on the whiteness. Incidentally, I don't really know black people who go bananas uh, or crazy about s'mores. Like I said, I've never made them. I just know about them knowing about white culture. It's only white people that I'm aware of who just <laughs> berserk about s'mores. And really, anything with chocolate in it. But Wellsing moment, be that, you know. Uh, let's see. <laughs> when to be silent. That is so key for codification. Like, whoo, way up there. Um, not eating things at work. Maintaining composure. Knowing when nothing needs to be said at all. Because a lot of times, especially when people are just being tacky, race soldiers and such, a lot of that stuff. You don't need to say anything. They want you to just, you know, talking and mad and and all that. Nothing. If anything, like, get out your phone, press record. Get out your pad, take some notes. That's it. You don't need to do anything. Or you can just look. Mm -hmm. You don't have to talk. Frequently, I would say saying less is better. When it's time to talk, it should be question time, not just sitting around here making statements. Uh, let's see. Now, he told us last week now, they've been understaffed for months, begging, pleading. Can we get some help in the segregated section? We're understaffed. You all clearly know how to hire people. You've hired other folks, hiding people who uh, didn't have, you know, a lengthy list of credentials. And what is it? Need some handholding. Talk about metaphors. Can you please hire someone? We don't want to hire any more niggers for the segregated section. We got this one sassy nigger over here. Let's uh, wait till we can get us a white person. And they finally, they get the white person, bang. And then as soon as the white person comes down, now we can hire some other niggers and, you know, disperse them out through some of the other. Well, why couldn't we have just put a nigger over here? Then we wouldn't have been understaffed. Eh, eh, eh. Toxic, you know, got this nigger man over here asking questions and taking notes and things. And then he doesn't want to eat any of our food, like... Got to put someone over here to watch, keep 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 tabs on the niggers in the segregated section. Hmm. Let's see. Then we talk about this every week. All of the uh, talk about tacking it. This is another one. You don't need to say anything. All of the tacking is. Uh oh, look who's in the house, pimp like. And again, we're at the courthouse. Maybe if we worked at a bar. All right. You know, no problem. We worked at a club. Okay, no problem. We're at the courthouse. We terminate parental rights. I don't exactly think this is the place where we should be laughing and joke like <laughs> being professional. How about that? Good morning. How are you? Good afternoon. Evening. Nice to see you today. All of that as opposed to, and again, just like he said now, when the judge don't, I know judge, we had a courthouse, so judges might walk through here occasionally. Is Uh-oh, your honor's in the building. Raise the roof. If you all don't do that, when the rest of these folks walk through here, morning, let's just keep it simple. Like all that extra, what? In the, doesn't get any better than tacky.
Uh, let's see. Now, and they look who's in the house, and then he, can we just be professional? And she says, well, I had to come through. He said, the one white person ignored it. That's in your hands. This nigga, I'm not even. The other white woman, she says, uh, well, I just had to see if I had to beat up anyone here. I thought we were supposed to be being professional. <laughs> like, I don't get to imagine a black man. Imagine him walking through the office. Now, you're going through. What are you up to? Oh, I'm just looking if I need to smack somebody around today. They were talking about shanking him before. <laughs> I'm like, what? what? And again, maybe if we're at the bar, okay, you had your shot and, you know, are feeling playful. We're at the courthouse. Sometimes parents' rights get terminated for smacking people around and beating people up. And <laughs> we're joking around about this sort of thing. Uh, let's see the metaphors I love it I love it I love it uh, particularly you got a white person in a work environment in a courtroom environment like words are so important they got legal documents and court forms people come in I need to get my uh, passport you know information together this is not a time for you just being cute with words like this is serious business and, which is what it started like she you know wanted to talk about like hey I just want to make sure we get off on the right foot oh well what does that mean? Oh, God. I know that one. Like when at least I think I do when they do the look and it goes up, they roll the eyes up in the ceiling. Ugh, this nigga. That's. Yeah. <laughs> and she didn't move from her. She was she stood still. She didn't. Like her body didn't move. I just noticed that in the eye body language. I was like, man, like she, <laughs> she, yeah, I don't think she was very interested. But it looked like she was trying to force herself to, I guess. I am very familiar. And that's the supervisor. Oh, that's the super. <laughs> Woo. And we're supposed to be getting off <laughs> on a good foot. Like, come on. Come on. White people can show you better than I can tell you. And I mean, if it's getting off to it, what's, what's, what's the problem? We're just trying to make sure we have clarity and uh, explaining what's happening. No big deal. Whew, man, can't even get that done in a correct manner. And then, well, the poor warden, she's stressed. She's overworked and tired. It's hot. It's floored. Like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. The warden is compensated much better than I. He has a much higher pay grade. He's supposed to be working hard. We all work hard. We've been understaffed over in the segregated section. Did you know that? We haven't even had all of our workers. Everybody here is stressed and tired and hot, agitated about the Rona, furloughs, and all kinds of things. Try to get that white victimization. They do that so regularly. Like, we need you to sympathize with this white woman, not to think of her as the warden, member of the clique gangsters going around here condoning and participating in unjust acts. Oh, we need to sympathize with her. She's had a tough old time. She's a tough old bird. Uh, let's see. Then, now this is another classic. I've seen this one regularly where white, excuse me, individuals who practice racism or are engaged in criminal activity if they're classified as white their anonymity is preserved. 
black person. Oh, no. <laughs> Calling everybody out by name. Darnell comes in late every day, and I'm going to talk to him about it, and this is not going to be tolerated. And that's Cynthia down at the other end does such and such. Now, we do have some employees who have been seen leaving a little early. We want to remind everyone we're professional. Like, wait a minute now. You can name all the black people and all that is shiftless and lazy and incompetent about them, but you cannot. And he said, this is a white woman that I had a spat with. We had some sort of, you know, tiff in the workplace. And even her, even, even apparently, even a white woman that I might have some sort of personal grievance with, she's still white. Not going to name her in front of you coons. I will trash every black person here. But even the white woman I don't like. Mm-hmm. anonymity is safe that is consistent in the system once again what does it mean to be white I don't even have to like this white woman and I treat her better than I treat you niggers we don't have to get along we are that's united independent right there Can see, you see that all the time that's what united independent looks like for white people we don't even have to like each other I'm about to kill this wench but as a fellow race soldier, we still have our united independent code. Certain things we do, certain things we don't do. Now, as soon as you all leave this room, I'm going after that heifer. But you all are niggers. We have a code. <laughs> what does it mean to be white? Fascinating. Uh, now, then, now talk about unjust networking. Now, he's talking to this white woman. And again, trying to get clarification, thought we we're all about being professional in the workplace. And she says, well, let's make sure we don't, you know, talk about this with everybody else because they'll be in them. What? <laughs> what? Are you speaking in tongues? Like what? Uh, what? I even had to take a moment myself. Like, wait a minute. This is another one. They they had the pay situation. I think he talked about a month or so ago where they got some people got an increase in compensation and some people didn't. And they said the same thing like now don't talk about this with everybody else because everybody didn't get the raise like now wait a minute that's i thought we were about being professional and we're public employees i think at the courthouse this is not being up and up and professional this is unjust networking repeated again don't talk about this because you know people will i'm I, my guess b&m is uh the b word the profanity and moan if i had to guess but i don't know why are we speaking in yeah. code? And that's what you thought it was. Yes, sir. I looked at it. I said, "I said, isn't that something?" I said, "That is very clever." I said that, um, like using those acronyms like that. You know, I, I said, "Yeah, be and, and moaning." And then I thought about how that's how that sounds like BLM, Black Lives Matter. I don't know if they could be practicing racism with that do you think so Gus with the letters being similar to BLM it's only one letter difference you know uh, B&M BLM I mean you say it quick it's you know it's right there and I mean that's kind of what they think about you know niggers in general and <laughs> black lives matter all of that, that they're just niggers out in the streets B&M yeah <laughs> that that's that's equivalent uh it's you know one and the same so uh it, w- it i would put it this way from uh the 
social media posts and comments from the quick members, it would not surprise me at all if that, you know, has been a funny uh, three or eight times over the past out of Black Lives Matter is old, so I'm sure like for a long time like oh yes the niggers BLM is out BNM and again <laughs> oh that was it like yeah uh, let's see the oh man now we've talked about this before and I've said this like white people when they bring their children to work like that deserves like a whole like chapter or section of codification because that can be really dangerous and just what to do, what not to do. I'm really cautious about uh, other people's children anyway, especially if they're really young, like, ooh, uh, run. Like, I don't want to be involved in that. I don't want to have to hold them. Like, nothing. Now, even when this, even within this scenario, you got a young white child. We say uh, racist woman, racist man, racist child. And he says, oh, now look at that nigga woman. Say hi to the nice nigga woman. Now talk about knowing when to be silent. Mm. He was doing the same thing with his eyes. Yeah. Like, oh, God. So come on now, speak to the nice, speak to the nice <laughs> nigga woman. Mm. Uh, anyway, is it time we can go see Jenny? How does he know Jenny? When did he meet Jenny? Right. <laughs> what is- <laughs> uh, White children not ignorant, yes. Not ignorant at all. Uh, let's see. Uh, it goes, and I even thought he had, uh, he said that there was no child involved, but just when he had the white man who said, oh, it's the leader, uh, it's the leader of evil. Or the devils, that was it, the leader of the devils. And he hopped over the fence. It's like, man, it seems like the child has already heard those type of stories. I even thought, I wouldn't have surprised me. She said, oh, look, it's the leader of the devils. And told the child that, too. So they could both jump over the, the fence and what have you. Uh, when the, I guess it was a black female, it was raining or whatever. She said she wanted to go home and uh, read. And then the white woman, and I think this might, Florida might. I don't I haven't lived in that area in a long time, thankfully, but Florida might be in the region that they call the Bible Belt. Talk about metaphors, slave region, Bible Belt. Uh, let's say, well, what she meant to say, she wanted to go home and read the Bible. And she's, uh, no, I meant what I said. <laughs> like, what in the world now? Religion of white supremacy. You niggers are not just supposed to be going home and reading just any old thing. You're supposed to be reading about white Jesus. That's why we got these sassy uppity niggers now. Go home and read your Bible. Obey your master. That's what it says. Like, why? I mean, planned. I mean, there's so many levels of plantational, but like, no, 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 no. You are only supposed to be reading the Bible. We kill you all for that. You know that. Don't you think you're just going home to read some counter racist material? Learn about things happening in the world. Learn about vegan cooking or being an astrophysicist. No, no, no. The Bible. It's all you niggers are supposed to be reading. Come in, sing us some hymns tomorrow. Like, wow. <laughs> like, uh, now, and that's certainly victims guaranteed qualified, but I at least appreciate the black self respect. I said what I meant. <laughs> Read a book. I did not say the Bible. But that might be one where. 
I might not say any. In fact, I wouldn't. That in fact, maybe that would be the takeaway. I probably wouldn't even have given the first assessment. I'm just gonna stay dry. Just going home. That's why. Try to answer that. What was the one that I thought was Hall of Fame from a few weeks before? I'm just gonna do what I do. That's what. That's why. I'm not even getting that's because I mean, all she said. I just want to go home and get a book. And even I don't know you don't, Negra. Even that, it just can't be. Oh, that's great. Well, I'm gonna go home and cook something and take these shoes off. Woo! It's been a long week. Can't even be that thing. It's just no, 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 no. I know what that nigger meant to say. Well, what she should have said, white Jesus, white Jesus, and then the brilliant, wonderful s'mores with white chocolate. Which I'm gonna have to look. They don't even make s'mores. Not that I'm an expert on that, but to my knowledge, they don't make s'mores with white chocolate. It's deliberately dark chocolate to go with the white marshmallow, but can't have enough whiteness, I reckon, in the system of white supremacy. Man, courthouse like loaded us up uh, this week. Just lots and lots and lots. Um, Oh, and then I forgot with the food. I forgot with the food. She's going to say, take it to your mom. If you're not going to eat my wonderful white s'mores, well, take some to your mom. Now, I got to poison my mom. I said, no, thank you. And that can't just be, believe it. He'll take some to your mom. Kill her too. No, thanks. If they force it on you, you dump it off. I'm sorry. I, oh, sorry for interrupting. I was just mentioning that. I, I think that definitely uh, came from the unjust networking uh, circles they have with the, the the white clan hard at work. Uh, they they giving it overtime. If I could add that, um, really focusing on me and one other victim. It, it just think it just seemed like it's mainly us two. Like me on one side and you on the side where the civil department is. Um, just trying to come up with new ways and strategies. Oh, trying to offer him some more food. You know, his mom works over to the other building. So just trying to, it's like, I, and I came up with that and I said, man, it'll either be taking photographs, signing cards, or some kind of food item, a luncheon. So, yeah, they definitely, um, work in unison and, and that's all I wanted to say the unjust networking um, why not a raise they come around with some tacky baked goods incident I mean that is just absurd to me it's probably a better word but I mean they literally like just yesterday lifted the um, COVID-19 restrictions here in Seattle so like stranger that's how i would regard a co-worker like i wouldn't care he said he's worked there a decade i wouldn't care if she's worked there the whole time like we started the same day like we've been working together side by side for 10 years she is a stranger like uh i'm not fixing to eat nothing out of your pot whatever this is your amazing s'mores or <clears throat> i'm good <laughs> like uh no thank you uh that's why i said it would be really stalwart because i mean have they been, you know, chatting it up on just networking? And, oh, yeah, we'll fix his wagon. He thinks it's chocolate, but these these wonderful whites are straight laxative or whatever. I mean, psh, I am 
good. I am not <laughs> looking to meet my daily caloric intake with whatever they have brought in. And then it's nonsense. It's stuff that'll kill you. Like, I got to sit around with you all and eat s'mores. And then he said, I, I know it's Florida. I dig it. It was hot here this week, like super hot. So I dig, you know, you want something cold. But I mean, dang, we just got to sit here and eat junk all. And then he said they had so much of it. Like, oh, we can't it just come. Like, come on. Come on. Everything obesogenic environment. How about water? They couldn't have just done that. We could have, they could have like done it fancy. Like instead of buying all that nonsense on ice cream, we brought in Evian water for everybody. Brought everybody you can get. We can't get a gallon uh, since we got this greedy Negro over here. But we brought everybody. You got a nice liter and a half of Evian water so you can stay hydrated in style uh, while we work today. Like, oh, right on. We'll do that. That vacuum sealed. Okay. So, oh, okay. Right on, right on. No, 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 no load you up with ice cream sandwiches and donuts and s'mores and nonsense and now your teeth are all messed up and you've gained five pounds we love you this is and this is supposed to be for independence day like come on come on we're in florida we're in florida in the middle of produce season they could have brought in some oranges that would have been cute like oh yes the sunshine state we got a little citrus for everybody you'll feel a little better fight off the rona no something that'll kill you no eating in the workplace, like standard code. They should know that by now. You've denied enough things. Like, yeah, yeah, we know you're not going to eat it. It's more, okay, yeah, we thought you weren't going to eat it. Yeah. The rest of the ice cream's in the freezer. I know you're not going to eat that either, but yeah. Codification. Say the same thing, or at least with that, same response every time. And I'm even a little surprised, like trying to get people to participate in July. I don't even know what that looks like. Like, I didn't know they had special, like, Hershey bars and snicker bars and Reese cups that are special for july 4th like i maybe i haven't eaten those items um in a while but i didn't know they that they had candy that was unique for independence day so-called that is wow (laughs) maybe i'll make a field trip to the grocery store uh let's see much obliged caller in florida uh, let's see other folks uh, if you have any additional thoughts questions observations 720-716-7300 the code 564-943-POUND press star 61 if you would like to participate we will be here tomorrow uh, the compensatory call in 9 p.m. Eastern 6 p.m. Pacific Bill Cosby on the loose white people are furious many other things happened this week Donald Rumsfeld uh, passed away and quite a number of other uh, events we will try to make sense uh, of some of those details uh, tomorrow 8pm Eastern 5pm excuse me 9 9pm Eastern 6pm Pacific I'm overjoyed Uh, the heat waves over like it's hard to believe this time last week we were preparing for three consecutive days of 100 degree heat uh, and all of that is distant memory and back to lovely no air conditioning needed weather uh, here in Seattle but <clears throat> even that I have to talk about a little bit of that tomorrow because I mean that was crazy like uh, they said it was a one in a thousand year event Uh, So I'm sure I will remember. And even within that, the racism, white supremacy within that, uh, the heat, because I was here in 
Oregon and Canada as well. They reported a lot of deaths uh, in Canada with that heat because all the places that I just mentioned, they're not accustomed to having triple digit heat at all, really, uh, or even high 90s. It's just, you know, really moderate weather here. Uh, Not this week, but or the beginning of the week now back to normal. But we'll talk about that. Some of the other events that took place over the past uh, seven days uh, tomorrow. Uh, but if folks have any other questions or what have you, again, don't wait till the last minute. If anything stood out, uh, what you heard from some of the folks who called or wrote in uh, any suggestions, we'll give folks uh, about five minutes or so uh, before we get ready to wrap things up. Uh, incidentally, we should also be here on Monday. Uh, Brian S. Bentley, uh, he is a former LAPD officer. Uh, he came to my attention from the book club, which is fascinating for a number of reasons. Uh, Labyrinth on the murder of Tupac and Biggie Smalls. Uh, all of this, again, is just connected back to O.J. Simpson, who is mentioned repeatedly in the book. Um, but researching this book, which is so similar to Jeffrey Tubin's uh, run of his life, where it's no footnotes and the anti-blackness and all that. Uh, I found where he did a video. He was talking about the uh, killing of Kevin Gaines, black LAPD officer who was killed by a white LAPD officer uh, nine days after the murder of notorious Biaggi, also in LA. Uh, so Mr. Bentley, black male, he was talking about, Kevin Gaines and talking about how there were so many lies about his murder and uh, just giving a different narrative for what may have happened with the killing of this black officer and the response afterwards and how he was uh, the word they used tarred to put that in quotes uh, to make it seem like he's just some thug gangster and all the rest gangbanger and all the rest of it uh, he talked about that uh, even connecting the case to the murder of Notorious B.I.G. just like and connecting those cases to the Rodney King beating and subsequent riots and then the O.J. Simpson he worked for the LAPD during the 90s so he was there when all these things were happening and all the rest of it so he should be with us on Monday to talk about uh, how all of those events are connected like Wow, connecting the dots like even yesterday I said our timing right and exact I said man yesterday we read Enos Cosby <clears throat> was killed in January of 1997 they said in the book that the LAPD did not assign the major crimes unit to Biggie's murder because they were already so invested in the murder of Enos Cosby again Bill Cosby released yesterday well, the day before yesterday, day before yesterday, um, Kevin Gaines, black LAPD officer, was killed nine days after Biggie's assassination, also in the month of March. And then Geronimo Pratt was released in June of that year. His hearing uh, about all of the LAPD and L.A. prosecuting offices shenanigans, criminal activity was happening throughout while all of this was happening and he's Tupac's uh, godfather and again Tupac had just been killed that September before all this so man just got disconnected sorry about that folks uh, right as I was making my, my point but Mr. Bentley he'll be here on uh, Monday uh, and as I was saying this book reminds me so much of uh Jeffrey Tubin's book and then making the connections Dr. Welsing she talked about connecting the dots 
Uh, I think Mr. Bentley on Monday will help be able to connect a lot of dots between how all of these cases influenced each other. Uh, and people thinking about some of these other cases as, you know, some of these were happening and the racism that connects all these cases as well. Uh, but that'll be Monday. Incidentally, we are neutralizing workplace racism. Yesterday, book club session for Labyrinth, uh, they talked about one of the employees for Death Row Records, Suge Knight. Black male was deciding that he wanted to leave. He didn't think this was a safe work environment, not a professional work environment. So he wanted to leave. And he started talking to some of the other black coworkers about this. And then somehow it spread and got back to Suge Knight and caused him some problems. He ended up being assaulted, allegedly. So the moral, I pointed this out yesterday and I've talked about this all the time. Be real careful uh, in talking to other coworkers, even if they are classified as non-white uh, especially if it's something like you want to quit, you're thinking about getting another job or something like zip it, zip it. <laughs> like there's no chatting it up, no talking, no nothing. Same thing I said, unless you are comfortable with every single employee who has, does, will work for this organization, getting like a transcript like Braille, Spanish, Hebrew, transcript of exactly what you said if you're not comfortable with that zip it especially about I'm thinking about leaving man I don't know if death row is going to zip it like what are you talking about man like keep it to yourself just get that resume updated and you know shuffle along like that is not something that you want to be talking especially with multiple other people like come on Uh, any other folks commentary they need to get in before we get ready to wrap things up folks satisfied Everybody got in. Everything they needed. Satisfied. All good. Grand. Uh, Hope our spectators, if things are, you are not being mistreated in the workplace. No unjust networking. They're following up proper protocol. I hope that continues until retirement, which, you know, whenever you want that to be, hopefully that'll be soon because you'll be getting compensated well. So hopefully retirement will be something that's, you know, present, obtainable. Anywho, uh, we'll be here in less than 24 hours. Compensatory call in. I uh, hope it was worthy of your time and energy this Friday evening, man, especially for the holiday weekend. Make sure I can say it with emphasis, sobriety would be best Uh, I know some cows listeners were uh, talking about being out and about on the road this weekend and I told them sobriety would be best they will have those sobriety checkpoints probably starting today they generally the fourth being on a Sunday the shenanigans will probably start today and go all the way through Monday I think a lot of people have off on Monday so yeah I would be all about being sober if you uh, I guess if you have to uh, consume some of these poisons narcotics I would get to a residence and stay there it would not be let's consume whatever and go out gallivanting and riding all over town and what have you that is not safe in the system of white supremacy especially because a lot of people tend to do this later in the evening which is especially dangerous on the plantation 
get somewhere, stay there, have everyone just come there and you can behave, I guess, in a quiet, safe manner that doesn't disrupt the neighborhood and that sort of thing. Have your fun and then disperse the next day when you are sober and can drive safely. But man, this is not a weekend to and this weekend will probably be extra rowdy because people will feel like they got robbed of some sort of celebration in the uh, battle simulation, the fireworks and all uh, from last year with the Rona. So they'll probably try to uh, compensate for all of that this time around. Be very mindful as you're out and about. If you're going to have fun or do whatever, fine. Uh, but if it looks like things are getting rowdy, things are getting out of hand, unsafe, exit not the time that you want to be uh, being nonsensical, taking unnecessary risks. Year that has already been full of chaos, probably lots more to come. That said, uh, Creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times in all places each and every time we are in contact with another black person it has been time replace white supremacy with justice immediately no name calling Really, we talked about that in the book club too yesterday. Lots of name calling in there, but no name calling, no gossiping. These are really easy strategies, things that non-white people can do that would push us towards solving this problem. I was at the lake this week, and they had a rowing class. Even there, yelling out. I'm not gonna say a bunch, but they did have to yell out. Stop name calling. They had to have a small session. Call people by the name, by their actual name not other nicknames and craziness call people by their name that is great advice to follow and no gossiping cow signing out thanks all for tuning in nigga you so brainwashed i'm a victim Your brother you a victim i'm a victim of 400 years of conditioning shut up the man has programmed my condition even my conditioning has been conditioned. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.